Summer driving is here, and so are the red-hot deals on the best tire brands at Dobbs. Money saver June deals on new sets of Goodyear, Cooper, Continental, Michelin, and Pirelli tires. Click on GoToDobbs.com to find your next set of tires today. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. go everybody panic good morning everyone welcome to character and smallman on 101 espn it's seven o'clock your time check brought to you by clarkson jewelers an officially licensed rolex jeweler good morning michelle smallman how you doing is it a good morning randy it is here we are on june 7th we've got baseball <laughs> we've, we're gonna fill up the stadium here in a week a week from today the cardinals fill up the stadium they're only two and a half games out of first in the division despite losing seven of eight heck earlier in the season the dodgers lost seven of eight you think they thought oh the season's over no they said we're gonna be fine hey teams lose seven of eight it happens mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it happens now it and does, then yeah and actually uh, if you recall, the ninety or the two thousand six St. Louis Cardinals lost seven of eight in September down the stretch, and wound up winning the World Series. They got their team back. So they, you're just being very positive about the fact that the Cardinals got swept by the Reds, as you as you mentioned, lost seven of eight and have lost three fifths of their rotation. That's the key. Is you just have to understand that R E L A X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It'll be okay. You got to get your guys back. Get your guys back. Hey, any team, first of all, winning teams are built up the middle, right? You lose your shortstop, you lose your center fielder, you lose your catcher, and you lose 60% of your starting rotation. Yeah, bad things are going to happen. Yeah, not great. Yeah. So what you have to do is hope that you get those guys back by August. Hang around. After 100 games, you're 50 and 50. Bing, bang, boom. Go out and get get a playoff spot. And playoffs aren't going to be hard to make in this league this year. And get healthy for the playoffs. It's a long season. It is a long, long season. season. It is a long season. And right now, the Cardinals are dealing with an abundance of injuries. However, when you have a game like yesterday, when the Cardinals rallied to erase a seven-run deficit, and they still end up losing the game, and the Reds sweep you, and you're dealing with more injuries over the weekend, I, I imagine a lot of Cardinals fans, Randy, waking up this morning, and they're not feeling the same positive vibes that you are. They're not saying, the Cardinals just need to tread water for maybe four to eight weeks until they get some of these guys back. I think they're saying, now is the perfect time to panic. That's why we say, <laughs> no doubt about it. Hey, yeah, our town, more than any other town, treats a Sunday loss in Major League Baseball like a Sunday loss in the NFL, right? It's almost as if, yeah, we only play 16 games. We can't afford to lose a game like that. But the fact of the matter is, Cardinals will have another game tomorrow and then another game, hopefully, the day after that, weather permitting. And eventually they will get their guys back. And when they do is when they have to be concerned if they lose seven of eight. I'm not 
I wouldn't expect the Cardinals, especially when you start the series against the Dodgers, to win seven of eight when you have a three-game series against the Dodgers. No, it was a brutal, brutal stretch of games that they had. But, okay, so here's who you have coming up. You're going to face Cleveland, three versus Chicago, Miami, Atlanta. I mean, these are teams that if you're not ready to go, you could after. But by the time by the time you get the guys back, the Cardinals could be in a very precarious position. Right. First <laughs> of all, the, the, the 2020 L.A. Dodgers. Well, I guess, yeah, the 21 Dodgers. Who who else, if you aren't ready to go, are you, is great? Are, are the Cubs that great? They're unbeatable? I don't think so. They're playing they're better well. better than the Reds. And the Reds just swept the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But are they, do you think the Cubs are great? I don't think they're great, but they are playing well. well. Do you think that the Cardinals have any chance at all next weekend of winning a game, game against them? I do, but I think it's going to be tough sledding. Yeah, what you have to do is you have to find ways to win games. And they've been playing clean ball. They've been playing good defense. Mm-hmm. They have to manufacture runs. Uh, and yesterday, heck, they scored seven. They've, they're getting their big guys going again. Uh, and the big thing is you have to really efficiently use your starting rotation. Martinez goes tomorrow. And then you've got Wayno going on Wednesday. So we'll probably have to record with Wayno tomorrow so that we can do the show with him on Wednesday. And... You're going to have to get really good performances out of your bullpen. Once you do start a guy like Jake Woodford, it's going to have to be, you're going to have to get five, six solid innings out of him. But, hey, teams have done it before. It's not like because you lose seven of eight in early June that you have no chance of making the playoffs. And that is a reasonable response. I, however, don't feel great about it because we're seeing so many injuries happen in Major League Baseball. I'm not. Con- I'm concerned that we're going to see more Cardinals players get injured. And uh, great text from the three one four. The Cardinals are like a country music song from the '90s. They're losing everything. They're losing players. They're losing games. They're losing everything. So what do they do then? Do you just trade Wainwright and Molina? And no. give up on the season? No, I don't think they're going to give up. I think the Cardinals in the front office and John Mozeliak are looking externally. They're trying to assess what is out there and what the best move is to make, knowing that they're going to get some of these guys back. I would imagine Paul DeYoung, Harrison Bader, a lot of that is going to potentially help the team. But I'm so concerned about the pitching. I really, really am. See, I don't think it's a bad team. And I don't think the division is that great. So I'm... I'm not as concerned. Yes, losing seven of eight is disappointing. A lot of teams have lost seven of eight. I was trying to tell you that the 98 Dodgers lost seven of eight, but they only (laughs) lost five of six. Or 98 Yankees, I mean, which is the best team I've ever seen. Teams go through stretches like this. And the thing is, you're allowed a bad week. You have 26 weeks in the season. You're allowed a bad week. The problem is if you have two bad weeks. And that's where Flaherty's injury comes up to get you because... What a number one starter does is prevents you from losing 10 in a row. You don't want to lose 10 in a row. And that's where you can be devastated by not having Flaherty. And that's where Wainwright needs to step up. Uh, Carlos needs to pitch better than he did in his last start. KK needs to come back and get over his back tightness and, and be better. And the bullpen needs to be better. And obviously... Anybody who's watched this team over the last week also knows that Goldschmidt and Arenado need to be better, and they were yesterday. They were yesterday. That's right. And the team still lost. And and the, <laughs> yeah, and, and they lost. It was it was a Sunday afternoon in the NFL. It's everybody panic. From the six through six, Cottleville Chris said, "Does anyone remember August two thousand eleven? Yeah, that 
they, the Cardinals led that whole season, though, Michelle. There, there was no doubt about that. The, uh, f- far as I remember about 2011, weren't they like 10 games in front in August? No, 10 and a half games back, Randy. 10 and a half games back. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, you know what? This is, this is a fun exercise. I really enjoy doing things like this. Let's take a look at the 2016 when they went out and got Jeff Weaver. Okay. And I can tell you who some of the pitchers were when the Cardinals were going through the the doldrums in the middle of that season. It was, they were just a mess, and we, we all felt the same way. We felt the same way we do now mm-hmm. uh, about this team. And there are a million examples of baseball being a long season. And that's the way I'm looking at it right now. Okay, just to give you a refresher here, uh, in June, right now, this time of year in 2006, Cardinals had a stretch of, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, where they lost six of eight, and then they went on another losing streak after that. And they had guys like, uh, who was pitching? Uh, oh, Josh Hancock was there then. Braden Looper was there. Uh, let's see, Mark Mulder, an injured Mark Mulder, was mm-hmm. pitching for the Cardinals. Jason Marquis, who didn't have a great year. He had a lot of bad things going on that year. Uh Carpenter got off to a one and seven start. Who was Sidney Ponson pitched for that team? Come on, let's give it some time to breathe. Okay, everybody, take a deep breath. <sighs> there we go. Okay, we're good now. I still don't feel great. Okay, that's that's fair. They're two and hey, two and a half back is almost impossible to overcome in June. I know there's a lot of time left. I know there's a lot of time left. Just telling you how I feel on this Monday morning, June 7th. Last night in the NHL, the Golden Knights over the Avalanche, 5-1. to one. Jonathan Marchessault with a hat trick. And the Golden Knights show that if you forecheck and exhibit great effort against Colorado, you can shut them down. And that's exactly what the Golden Knights did. As a matter of fact, in the last 10 periods now, the line of Landeskog, Rantanen, and McKinnon has two points. Nathan McKinnon does not have a point in the last three games of that series. That's what you have to do is control yep. him at all costs. And how great was the crowd there? That, to me, was the first time in a long time that I have felt like everybody is fully back. Yeah. That was playoff hockey at its finest. 18,100 largest crowd in the NHL this season. Meanwhile, Montreal moved to the brink of victory over Winnipeg, knocking off the Jets 5-1, leading that series 3-0. Islanders and Bruins are 2-2. They'll play tonight on NBC Sports Network. And uh, Montreal with that lead, as we mentioned, over the Jets three games to none. NBA playoffs, the Hawks lead the Sixers one game to none after a victory yesterday. Clippers eliminated the Mavericks. The Bucks will take on the Nets, and Brooklyn leads that series 1-0, although they'll be without James Harden. Nuggets and Suns series starts tonight. Michelle, of the final eight teams now in the NBA, the most recent champion has been the 83 Sixers. Good or bad for the NBA? I would say that it's good to have new blood. Mm-hmm. The NBA ultimately, over a 10-year period, is going to need to have a lot of the Lakers and a lot of the Celtics. But for one year, to see the former St. Louis Hawks, the last time that franchise won a championship was here in St. Louis, to see the Phoenix Suns with Devin Booker, to see the Hawks with Trey Young, to see the Clippers, to see Kawhi and Paul George finally being there, to see... Uh, some of the young players, and then the one super team left to Brooklyn if they get uh, 
if they get hardened back, I think it's pretty fun. I think it's super fun, but to your point, the fact that Brooklyn is still in it and there still is a super team and the biggest mark, well, the, the Clippers are in it too, but you, have, you still have two big market teams in there. Right. It's going to be really interesting. And then John Rahm withdrew from the memorial, tested positive on Saturday for COVID-19. Uh, if you connect the dots, obviously he had not been vaccinated. Cost himself $1.7 million. If he had been vaccinated, Michelle, the PGA Tour would not have tested him. He would not have been found to have been positive for COVID-19, even if he was a breakthrough case. And he would have been able to play yesterday. It was up by six strokes. He would have won. It's... So not getting the vaccination cost him $1.7 million. So I saw a tweet this morning from Jason Sobel that said that he heard that Rom got his first vaccination shot on site this week, but only after he'd come into close contact with the person who tested positive, which is why he initially entered that COVID protocol. So the timing of it didn't benefit him at all. He still obviously did not have the immunization built up. Right. But it's just one of those things that if you're him, if you're his family in that moment, you have to be thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. Well, it's it's a lot of money out the window. It is. And the thing is, if you don't get the vaccination, and you do get tested, then you shouldn't be surprised by anything. And it's I, I know this is a uh, an issue that obviously has divided people. People have their own opinions. But in this particular case, for him, it's on him. Because the rules specifically stated that if he got the vaccination, he wouldn't get tested. Well, and even if he did get it this past week, I'm sure it was yeah. available to him prior. It was available on the tour every Monday and Friday. It's available to every player every Monday and Friday, and they've done it for, well, they've had the vaccination available since February, but they've been testing for 50 weeks, for 50 50 straight events now. You would think if you were getting tested that often, and everyone is different, everyone has to make their own decision, it's their own body. I just know for me, if I was having to get tested like that every single day, I, I would be the first person in line if I could, because I would be so sick of having to go through that and not want yep. it to impact my chances at all. I just think I would be more hyper aware of it if I was having to get tested all the time. Yeah, so Rom misses and he doesn't win, and then in a playoff yesterday, Colin Marikawa actually kind of struggled too, and he wasn't able to come away with a victory. And on the PGA Tour, uh, I don't even remember who won. This is terrible. I don't remember who won in the playoff. Anybody got it off the top of their head? It was somebody good. <laughs> Obviously, he's got to be good. Patrick Cantley, that's who it was. There you go. There you go. Uh, that's Michelle. I'm Randy, and this is 101 ESPN. It's Carriker and Smallman coming up. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Start one, bench one, cut one. Coming your way here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Carriker and Smallman, Emily Butcher is here, and she will have your text 65780 for start one, bench one, cut one. Michelle, I'm going to do start one, bench one, cut one, healthy Cardinal starters edition. Okay. okay beyond Wayno and Carlos, John Gant, Johan Oviedo, Jake Woodford, start one, bench one, cut one. Okay. I am going to start the magician, John Gant. I think I... Okay, I'm going to start John Gant. Okay. I'm going to bench Woodford, and I'm going to cut Oviedo. That's exactly what I was going to do, too. And by the way, Gant 
didn't have to be a magician yesterday. No. Because he didn't walk people. No. He just allowed hits on but home runs to Jesse Winker. That's right. Gosh, how good has he been playing, He's Jesse been Winker? Unreal. And I know a lot of people were saying, why pitch to him in that moment last night at the end of the game? Why let him beat you? Because... You have Nick Castellanos coming up next. And you have Alex Reyes on the mound. And you have Alex Reyes on the mound. Alex Reyes? Exactly. I completely trust Reyes in that moment. But I just, I don't think you had a great option behind him either. Um, Absolutely not. By the way, three walks yesterday, but seven hits allowed in those two home runs for Gant. But still, one of the more remarkable seasons. Yeah, and he's the guy you start. He's your number three starter right now. Yes, he is. Okay, Randy, so I was reading um, an article last night about Lamar Jackson and how the Ravens are hoping that we really see him take the next step as a passer in 2021, that they're going to, quote, let it rip with Lamar Jackson. So start one, bench one, cut one. Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, or Kyler Murray? Ooh. Wow. Um, I was trying to think of three quarterbacks that I could put in a really comparable list, and those are the three I came up with. I, just because he has yet to do it and actually got hurt last year, I am cutting Kyler Murray. Even though Lamar Jackson has won an MVP and gotten an MVP vote and Russell Wilson never has, I'm starting Russell Wilson. He's won a Super Bowl. And I'm going to bench Lamar. So starting Russell, benching Lamar, cutting Kyler. That's the exact same order I had it in. Even though in certain moments you'd maybe take Lamar or Kyler, Russell Wilson is still Russell Wilson. And and when there's two minutes left on the clock in this group, I want him with the ball. Lamar took that next step winning playoff games last season. I'm going to bench him and I'm going to cut Kyler, even though I think he is great and has a lot of potential. The Ravens are a lot like the Cardinals in that they're very patient. And I'm sure their fans hate the fact today that they didn't get Julio Jones. Mm -hmm. But Julio Jones played nine games last year. And the Ravens just didn't want to give up assets for a guy like that. The best thing that happened to the Ravens this offseason was losing David Culley to become the head coach of the Texans. Now they have a better passing game coordinator, and I think Lamar will flourish with David Culley not there. That's why he's letting it rip. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> All right, your tech 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. Emily, what do you got? From the 618, start one, bench one, cut one. Nicholas in the 86 Masters. Mm. Tiger in the 2019 Masters. Or Phil in the 2021 PGA. That's really tough. I'm going to start Tiger because that Masters comeback was one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen in sports. Um, You know what? I think I'm going to bench Nicholas. And I unfortunately, even though I love lefty and winning a major at 50 is remarkable, I'm going to have to cut Phil. Yeah, Jack and Tiger are the two best ever. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Tiger was a better story in 2019 than Jack was in 86, even though Jack was 46 years old. But those are the two best ever. And Phil, while a great story, had not had, well, uh, he he has had setbacks. I'm just going on the the quality of the guys winning their last majors. I'm anticipating that Tiger isn't going to win another major. Jack did not win another major. Heck, Phil might win the U.S. Open. He could. Also from the 618, start one, bench one, cut one. Trey Young, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell. Ooh. <laughs> we both did that. Uh, okay, I am going to. I, I know who I'm starting. The cut and bench is tough for me here. I'm starting okay. Devin Booker. I am too. Yeah, he's a difference maker. He is 
a, he's a taller Steph Curry. He's on his way to becoming Steph Curry. I am going to bench Young, and I'm going to cut Mitchell. And I'm taking Young because of his overall playmaking ability. I just think he's a better player than Mitchell. That's all. Yeah. So, I'm, I, I'm going to bench Young, cut Mitchell. I think I have it in that same order, but that's a good one. From the 314, start one, bench one, cut one, third baseman. Nolan Arnato, Scott Rowland, A Rod. Hmm. Uh, interestingly, A Rod's the only one of those three to win an MVP. Hmm. Uh, did so for the Yankees in 2009, I think. I am. Based on their careers and leaving performance enhancers out of it. I'm just I was going wondering on if we were going to bring career that numbers. <laughs> all right. Okay. So based on career numbers right now, I'm going to start A-Rod. I'm going to bench Arenado and I'm going to have to cut Scott Rowland. Wow. And this is wow. obviously Arenado. Having led the league in homers for three years, uh, his OPS is off the charts. Granted, some of that happened in Colorado. But if I'm going to leave the performance enhancer of steroids out of it, I'm going to leave the performance enhancer of Coors Field out of it, too. Mm, Interesting. I think I'm going to start Scott Rowland. I think I'm going to bench Nolan Arenado, and I'm going to cut A-Rod because... Numbers are numbers, Randy. I'm looking for clubhouse guys, too, okay? You are just so Team J-Lo. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I'm going to cut A-Rod, even though he was a phenomenal player. I don't. I am not taking performance en- enhancers out of it. And if everything was in an equal playing field between those three, I think I would want Roland, and it would be close between he and Nolan. And I don't know. I don't know about A-Rod. We'll never fully know. He's pretty good before there were any suspicions of steroids. But prior to the suspicions, how do we know that that wasn't an enhanced performance? Could have been. We don't know. We'll never know. He was on the team with Ken Griffey Jr. We'll never know. All right, here's a fun one. From the 314, start one, bench one, cut one. Albert Pujols, Barry Bonds, David Ortiz. Well, Albert starts. I'm cutting David Ortiz because you know why. 13 he's cut don't pitch to him bonds bonds is benched i'm doing the same thing yeah and okay bottom of the ninth tie game game seven which one of these guys would you put your money on postseason postseason game seven world series really yep I mean, the numbers bear it out. It's unbelievable. <laughs> although, although you pitched to him, I am. Uh, I'm, but I'm going to do this for 162 game seasons. Okay. Albert starts Bonds, and I'll even take Bonds before steroids, before 2001, uh, as my bench, and then I'm going to cut Poppy. From the three one four start one bench one cut one in their prime, Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders, Jim Brown. Ooh. Um. That's really difficult. That is. Well, it's this is easy for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut Emmett. Okay. I wanna start Barry Sanders. I do too. He was so electric. I used to love watching Barry Sanders play football. Brown was a freak of nature though. He was as big as guards and defensive linemen were when he played. It was kind of like Chamberlain and Russell, especially Wilt. There were no other seven-footers when Wilt played, and there were no other 240-pound running backs when Jim Brown played. Because of the overall numbers 
and how dominant he was, as much as I love Barry Sanders, I'm going to go with Brown to start, Sanders to bench, and Emmett to cut. Barry Sanders just had unbelievable vision. The way he yeah. could see the field, you'd be like, how did he find that hole? He, Marshall Falk, same way. Sometimes I would think, how how did Marshall do that? How yeah. did he do that? Coach Vermeil thought that Sanders was better than Brown. So, uh, And he saw more of Jim Brown than I did. I will still take Jim Brown based on the highlights that I've seen. You don't see Jim Brown get tackled behind the line of scrimmage in highlights. They never show highlights of guys getting tackled for no, for no gain. Right? They only show yeah. the highlights of highlights. That's right. <laughs> Or else it would be a low light. <laughs> yeah, right. From the 618, start one, bench one, cut one. Bo Hart, Aaron Miles, Scott Spezio. Okay, this is fun. You got to go with uh, you got to go with Spezio being a key part of that 06 team, yeah. right? He's got to start. Uh, Miles pitched in a game and actually was versatile and, again, a part of a world championship. So I will go Spezio, Miles, Bo Hart who essentially had two good months. I'm going to start Spezio. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I'm going to bench Miles and cut Hart. But everybody loved those guys. Yeah. Bo Hart's still beloved, a huge star in Memphis, Tennessee. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. And thank you very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Coming up, we talked about this a little bit in the open, but we want to hear from you. The NBA is going to have a new-look champion, their most recent champion that's still in the playoffs, the Sixers, who won in 1983. Do you vying for championships, or would you prefer to see the old reliables like the Lakers and the Celtics or in the NHL like the Blackhawks? Would you like to see the Blackhawks and the Red Wings? <laughs> we want to hear from you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Here, Kern Smallman on 101 ESPN. And Michelle, as you look at, for example, what has happened in hockey over the last decade or so, it really has been a story of very few teams that have won most of the championships. As a matter of fact, we're fortunate that the Blues got theirs because you, you had the Blackhawks winning three. You had the Kings winning two. You obviously had the Bruins being in several. So... You've had pretty much the same group. So you've had, in the last couple of years, new teams, Lightning and Blues, and the Capitals before that. But then the Penguins won three between 2009 and 2017. Blackhawks won three in that time. The Kings won two in that time. And then the Bruins won theirs in 2011. And I kind of like the idea of having new teams win, like the Lightning and the Blues and the Capitals. And that's what's going to happen this year in the NBA in football, that has happened now with the advent of the Chiefs over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Tampa Bay this past season taking the place of New England. I like seeing, in general, new teams. I know that the casual audience likes to see the old reliables, right? You like to see the Patriots in there. You like to see the Steelers if you're casual. If you're a casual hockey fan, you probably like seeing the Blackhawks or the or the Red Wings. And in the NBA, it's the Celtics and the Lakers. I'm sure that the league would prefer to have the Celtics and the Lakers in the finals. But this particular year, when you look at the teams that are left, you've got the 76ers who won in 83. You've got the Hawks who won here as the St. Louis Hawks in 1958. The Nets 
the New York Nets, won a couple of ABA championships. The Bucks won in 1971. Otherwise, you have four other teams that have never won a championship. I think that's cool that you'll have a, a generation of fans, even in Philadelphia, 93, 03, 13, 37 years, multiple generations of fans that have never experienced a championship that will have the opportunity to do so. I think it's very cool, too. And I think sports has evolved. It's always, You're always going to want big market teams to be in it if you're a TV network. That's just the way you roll. You're going to want the Yankees to be in it. You're going to want the Lakers to be in it. But I think sports has evolved from wanting legacy teams and old-time powerhouse teams to be in, and they just want the stars in. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. where LeBron plays. He could play in Cleveland. You want LeBron to be in the finals. When I look at baseball, I want Fernando Tatis Jr. to be in the World Series every year because he's the star of the game. Same thing with Mike Trout. I think baseball has suffered because Mike Trout has not been a, a a prominent face, a consistent face in the postseason. So when I look at the NBA, it doesn't really matter to me that it's not the Lakers or the Celtics that's there. It it matters to me that it's Giannis, that it's Kyrie, and that it's, you know, all of these different players, Kevin Devin Durant, Booker. Devin Booker, James Harden. There are stars that, that are still playing right now, and even young and emerging stars like Jokic or like Doncic. And I think that for the NBA, it's kind of great to still have stars be involved that are going to be the main attractions. That's the marquee, is that it's going to be this star versus that star. And it's great for the NBA because you're getting other fan bases and other markets involved in the postseason that might not have been there for a while. And you get so used to... In that league particularly, the mega markets with the great climates. Last year, the, the finals was the, and it granted it was in the bubble, but the finals was the Heat and the Lakers. Those are two teams that you're used to seeing. Uh, uh, granted, you do have the, the Clippers in there, but to not see the mega teams, Brooklyn's in the New York market, but it's not the Knicks. Mm-hmm. You don't have the Bulls. Clippers are in the L.A. market, but you don't have the Lakers. You've got Denver. You've got Phoenix. You've got Atlanta. You've got markets that typically don't attract the biggest stars that still have a chance to win. But you say the Bulls. The Bulls were the Bulls because mm-hmm. of Michael Jordan. Right. What have the Bulls been post-Michael Jordan? And nobody wants to go there. Exactly. And I, I look at the NFL as such a great example. Like Kansas City is not a, a market that you would think would be something that we would talk about all the time. But Patrick Mahomes has made it a destination. Patrick Mahomes is the type of star like LeBron is for the NBA. I mean, I'm sure there's more media presence, national media presence in Kansas City because of Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. than there ever has been before. And so I think when people look at Super Bowl matchups, they want to see what are the two quarterbacks that are going to be playing. Is this a prolific defense versus a very tough offense. That's what people want is they want the star power. So I think it's it's great for sports that you're having more stars be in various markets. And I don't know how the NFL does it. And granted, they just got back into L.A., but one L.A. team in the history of the league, the Raiders, have won a Super Bowl. You look at the Jets who have been to one Super Bowl, and that was 50 years ago, and they mm-hmm. haven't been back since. The Giants won a lot. They, they've won four Super Bowls. But It's not because of free agency. They've won because they've built well through drafting quarterbacks and developing guys. Free agency in the NFL is a different animal. And I think last year was the first time we really saw free agency work for a team Mm -hmm. in the NFL and allow them to, okay, sign a few guys, specifically Brady and Gronk, and turn into a super team. Remember the dream team in Philly when they got all those stars together and they were terrible? Yeah. The NFL is a different animal. and. 
if you're smart, like Kansas City is, like Green Bay has been over the years, like Baltimore, you have a chance in the NFL. You you can not be smart and buy people in the NBA. That's true. Uh, remember when the Lakers were bad a few years ago? Do you think yeah. the NBA sh- suffered at all? Yes. Ever- you do? Yeah. I feel like everybody only cared about the Warriors, and the Warriors were the main attraction, and I feel like the NBA had never been more entertaining than they were when the Warriors were at their peak. And I don't think, at least from where I sat, I was more interested in the NBA because of the magic of that team, and I didn't feel like it lost any of its luster to not have the Lakers yeah. be prominent. I was actually going at the end of Kobe's career, before oh, okay. the Warriors dynasty. Got it. The Warriors replaced the Lakers. You'd walk around St. Louis. You you could walk around any town in America and see a number 30 Steph Curry jersey. And before that, it was a Kobe jersey. Mm-hmm. But you need that player, and it really LeBron's the, LeBron and Curry are the two guys now, where if you're in Dubuque, Iowa, kids want that jersey. And you have to have that player be a sexy player. You have to be have him be an attractive player, but you also have to have him be great. It, it's got to be, he's got to be great and a good guy uh, and a guy that's visible. And right now, guys on eight teams have a chance to become that guy in the NBA. Who do you think is the heir apparent to LeBron? Because you can, you can really assign it in almost any other sport. Who's the guy that's going to be after the guy? And there's a lot of amazing, emerging young stars in the NBA. But I don't know if there's one guy that, like we said about LeBron, he's going to be the heir apparent to Michael Jordan, is going to be the guy behind LeBron. If I were to pick one, it would be number 77 on Dallas. It would be Luka. Mm-hmm. I don't think either of the Clippers guys is going to be. I, I think both Kawhi and George have kind of passed that opportunity. Booker could be that guy, but I don't know if he has the effervescent personality. Who do you think? Is there is there one that stands out? There's not. And Trey Bo- Young has a great personality. He does. And Booker's the first person I thought of, too, because he's he's got the game. He's seems like he's a, a good, you know, media person for them. But he's not as much of a dynamic talker as mm-hmm. somebody like LeBron is. And maybe over time, that's something he would grow into. But, and he's of course, and people don't want to hear this, but he's dating Kendall Jenner. So yep. he's got the awareness outside of basketball. He's a star in a lot of different ways, but it just doesn't really match up to LeBron for me. And I know LeBron was the chosen one and we were aware of him when he was 16 years old. It's a completely different comparison, but I think that that's going to be tough for the NBA. It's it's either one of two things. Either it's going to benefit them because they're going to have a bunch of different stars in a bunch of different markets that are the marquee guy, or it's going to be tough because it's not going to be one person like LeBron or, or Jordan. And I would have said Embiid, but I don't think Embiid can stay healthy enough to be that guy. What about Zion? Could absolutely be that guy. Absolutely be that guy, but his team has to win. His team has to win. Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals struggling. What does Rick Horton think? We're going to talk to the Cardinal broadcaster about that more next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. After being swept by the Reds over the weekend, a four-game sweep at Bush Stadium, the Cardinals have lost seven of eight, and St. Louis is panicking. <laughs> we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our friend, Cardinal broadcaster Rick Horton, joins us to talk about what's going on with this club. Good morning, Rick. How you doing? 
I'm, I'm not in a state of panic if you're worried about that, but of course concerned like everybody else, but good to be with you guys. Thanks. Let, let's start with this because a lot of teams have lost seven of eight. Earlier this season, the Dodgers lost seven of eight. You're allowed a bad week during a 26 win, win, 26 week season, in my opinion. You just can't have multiples. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and I will say this, you know, if, if, if uh, you look at the snapshot from, say, mid-May, you know, you'd say, wow, the Cardinals are the best, best team in the National League. They'd won whatever, 14 out of 17, whatever the number was, and, and, and they were on top of the world. So, you know, the, the, the point always is in baseball, you're probably not as good as where, where you are in the good, good spots, and you're probably not as bad as you are in the bad spots. And, and that's just an old, uh, you know, adage about the game. And, and, and you're right, you, you can have some bad swoons. Uh, you know, you think about the, the 2006 uh, World Series championship team. They were awful for a stretch. I mean, awful, awful. And yet they won the World Series. Now, I'm not saying that about this team, but, you know, panic is never good inside the clubhouse. We can panic all we want, but not inside the clubhouse. Well, Rick, I think for me, it's not even the games, the losing of the games, because as Randy mentioned, yeah. it's a long season. It's when I look at the rotation, you have Michaelis, Kim yeah. and Flaherty all dealing with injuries. I'm wondering how the Cardinals are going to overcome that. Well, I mean, that's that's a really good question, because that is the crux of, the, of, of our concern, I think. And again, I'm not sure panic's the right word, but but certainly heavy concern when you try to figure out where's, where's the starting pitching going to come from? I mean, that's that's the question. Is, is it going to come from guys that are in the bullpen now? Uh, is it going to come from guys in the minor leagues now? The answer is no, because there isn't anybody. And you think about the, the uh, lost season in the minor leagues last year, all teams had very little chance to develop players. So you've got to get somebody who's a street free agent, somebody who's, you know, playing catch in the backyard with his neighbor. I mean, I, I don't know who that is. And if you're trying to fill a rotation with all those injuries, you know, and again, Will the Cardinals be strong when Flaherty comes back and, and Kim is healthy? Yes, I think that will make all the difference in the world. But what do you do in the meantime? I think that's a very reasonable question. And, and the best answer to that is you better hit and your bullpen better be good. Yeah, Rick, I was going to say about that guy you acquire, whether it be a guy that's a free agent or a guy that you trade for, you, you need a guy kind of like Jeff Weaver, who's not going to be the quality start guy, but gives you six innings and allows four runs, and then you just have to hit to support that guy. Yeah, that's true. But to find this kind of guy right now in today's climate, a couple of things. One is everybody's looking for him. And number two, there aren't a lot of minor league choices to do that. And there's not, I don't think, a lot of incentive for people to make trades. Uh, and then, you know, what do you give up? All of that becomes part of the reality. So you look for the guy that's kind of just out there and maybe available. Uh, you know, in past years we had the free agents that didn't sign in spring training that you just go out and get and sign. But the, but the other issue with that is you've got to ramp them up. What if you sign a guy that's not 100% ready to pitch yet or maybe he's not been a starter and it takes you three weeks to get that person ready to start. Well, by that time, you know, hopefully you've got that Kim back healthy again and, and, and other things moving in a good direction. So, you know, honestly, your, your best bet is to get Carlos right uh, and, and keep him right. I mean, he's had some good moments. And to have Adam Wainwright uh, do what he's capable of doing. I mean, the best answer is always from within, but, you know, that's going to take some work. There will be a couple of ramped up free agents at the end of the Olympics. A guy like Anibal Sanchez pitching in the Olympics, Edwin Jackson pitching. I know Porcello and Hamels are out there as free agents as well. They aren't with the Olympic team. But if you want to get a ramped up guy, maybe you get the guy that's just coming off of the Olympic team. It's the new minor leagues, isn't it? I mean, that really is a fact. Or, you know, you you think about the the players playing in Mexico or other places around the world that you might 
be able to get for, in some particular way. But, but Sanchez certainly is uh, of interest to me because I know how he can pitch. Does he have overwhelming stuff? No, not anymore. But, but can he pitch and can he give you five innings? Absolutely. And so, I, you know, I'd, be, I'd at least kick the tires on him. Rick, why do you think we're seeing so many injuries in baseball right now? Because it's not just the Cardinals dealing with injuries. I mean, the Cubs had so many guys who were on the injured list, and they seemingly are overcoming it. But it just seems like across baseball, we are seeing so many players get injured. I wonder if it has anything to do with the truncated season last year and maybe the timeline of guys getting ready, being disruptive. What are you seeing? Why do you think we're seeing so many injuries? Well, I think I think you gave a couple of very valid reasons for that. I mean, the, the truncated season last year, also the truncated spring training. Think about how our spring training was a week shorter. Uh, now, every, all hitters say, oh, we don't need all that extra time. Pitchers always say they do need spring training. Uh, so the pitching injuries, you might say, well, maybe the pitchers weren't fully ready to start the season. And I, and I think we could see that down in, in Florida, at least, that the pitchers weren't kind of game ready for seven innings opening day and you know that created a strain on bullpens early on across baseball the, the injuries of bullpen guys to me is pretty simple everybody's throwing the ball as hard as they can and they're they're most interested in throwing 98 miles an hour and they're big and strong and have the spin rates and all the fun you know uh, analytics that go along with it that's not always conducive to a healthy arm to throw a ball as hard as you can all the time. Now, there's arguments about that, but that's my opinion anyway, is, you know, you, you, you can throw it 100%, you pitch it about 90 and, and I don't think anybody does that anymore. And, and I think that leads to the max effort leads to injuries. And on, on the offensive side, you get big guys that are bigger, stronger, faster. But, boy, we have a lot of rib cave issues in baseball, don't we? We sure do. Uh, Cardinal broadcaster Rick Horton with us on 101 ESPN. Rick, a couple of more things. Number one, I can't wait to see Harrison Bader back out there. And it, it is striking what a difference he makes when he's on the field for the Cardinals, isn't it? Well, his defense is, is, is striking. The balls just do not drop in the outfield. And I will say Dylan Carlson has really uh, gotten the job done in center field. And, you know, I wasn't sure at first, but he's he's become very good in center. And communication's much better, I think, than when, he, you know, he first was out there. But the reality is that, that, that you're better with Bader there and Carlson in right and O'Neill in left, and balls just don't drop in the gaps. And, you know, on the offensive side, who would have thought we'd be saying that the third hardest guy to strike out in the Cardinal lineup is Harrison Bader? Yeah. I mean, he... <laughs> So his offense, uh, I heard, and on the ESPN uh, the Game of the World a couple weeks ago, they said, you know, Bader is one of the best breaking ball hitters on the Cardinals, and I could I could see the jaws dropping of all Cardinal fans everywhere saying, what? What are you talking about? But but that's the fact. I mean, he's made an adjustment. He's become a uh, got a different two strike swing, and uh, you know, he's he's definitely going to be a difference maker, and he brings energy too. Rick, one of my favorite developments from this season is getting to watch Alex Reyes in action. I know he gave up the home run last night in the ninth, but when he is healthy, he is electric. And it's so great to see him be able to go out there and, and show the Cardinals what he's been capable of all along. Alex, is, Alex has not only got the great stuff, but I, I started to notice, and, and I didn't notice it early on, but the last few outings I've noticed, he's got that strut, too. He's got, that, he's got the demeanor of a closer. I, you know, when he was... Coming back out of injury, he almost had a little, uh, I'd say, trepidation on his face. That's the best word I could say. You know, he, he wasn't quite sure what he was, who he was, and where his mount, what kind of mound presence he was going to have. But now he looks like a bulldog on the mound. I think that's very healthy uh, for a guy with his kind of stuff, his age, uh, and being in that role as a closer. I, I like the development of Alec, Alex Reyes. You can hear Rick Horton on the Cardinal broadcasts on KMOX. You can see him, of course, on Bally Sports. Rick, one more thing from me. 
if I say to you the Cardinals just need to tread water until the All-Star break for the next five weeks, do you think they can do it? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I think they're. I think their team's good enough. It also depends on the strength of schedule, uh, which we know what that is. I think it's. I think it's very likely that they can do just that till the All Star break, and then uh, lick your wounds and move on. Rick Horton, always great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for taking some time with us, and keep up the fantastic work. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy your day, guys. See you later. That's uh, Rick Horton with us on 101 ESPN. So here's. By the way, I just checked it out, and you will have some tough. Parts of the schedule coming up. The Indians have great pitching on uh, tomorrow night and Wednesday. Then you go to Chicago for three. Then you've got the Marlins in town for three. Then you go to Atlanta for four. Then you're at Detroit. Not good. You're at Pittsburgh for four. They're not good. You get Arizona here. They're not good. You just won three out of four there. Then you go to Colorado. Nolan Arenado's return there. Uh, They're not good. You go to San Francisco, best team in the National League at the moment on July 5th, 6th, and 7th. And then you go to Chicago again for three before the All-Star break. So can the Cardinals play 500 ball in that time frame? I think they can. And then hopefully by then you get Flaherty back and you get Michaelis back at some point. KK should be back well before that. Maybe even get Jordan Hicks back at some point and Harrison Bader. I feel a whole lot better if I have those five guys on my team. I'm glad that you got, that you and Rick are both so positive. Got to be positive. You do. Otherwise, you're going to be negative. That's and, the alternative. And who wants to be negative? Nobody. Come and on. We're th- a positive show. All roads lead to hardware. <laughs> says it right here. And secondly, if it doesn't work out, deflect the blame at all costs. That's the second of the four pillars. We need two more pillars, by the way. We do. Submit some. 65780. What's another pillar of the show? Another Carriker and Smallman pillar. <laughs> Coming up, the Cardinals were swept in four by the Reds. How concerned is their skipper? That's next time. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Eight oh three in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Michelle. Ten games left in the 2006 season. The Cardinals started a run where they lost seven out of eight. Ouch! I remember going to that Friday night game with uh, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Jason Marquis was on the mound, and he was awful. It was the last of uh, that eight game stretch. By the way, they did lose one, two, three. Four, five, six. Actually, they lost more than seven of eight. They lost eight of nine, including one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in a row. And then eight of nine. But that third to last game of the season, Jason Marquis was awful. And they had their league cut to a half game over the Brewers. And then they wound up winning the last two. So, hey, it has happened before. Teams have lost seven of eight before and still had successful seasons. I felt better about that team knowing you have pool holes and Edmonds and Roland. But Edmonds Carpenter. and Roland and the next time we're all hurt. Okay. Well, that's so a good point. Dealing with injuries. So you get your guys back. That's the key. Well, the Cardinals need to get their guys back. Yeah, they do. And soon. Getting swept by the Reds, not great. They've got 31 games before the break. They go 15 and 16, 16 and 15 in that time. And then take their chances after the All-Star break with a healthy team. And by the way, they won't get Michaelis or Hicks back until August, but get Flaherty back and get Bader back on the field, and uh, hopefully KK will be able to stay consistently healthy and throw strikes. Things will happen. And perhaps get some outside pitching help? Yeah, that'd be good. I could think of a couple of guys that would be good. Let's get Max Scherzer. 
Do you think that that's really on the Cardinals' radar right now? Do you think that they think this team is good enough and that this, more importantly, this team will be good enough once they get the injured guys back to go out and rent a guy like Max Scherzer? If they're thinking that they're fooling themselves, because it's not. So they shouldn't, for example, trade Nolan Gorman for Max Scherzer. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's on the Cardinals' radar, and I don't think that's on the Nationals' radar either. They might want to keep him around, especially because Strasburg's career might be over. Mm -hmm. You you might be much better off if you're the Nationals re-signing Scherzer if you want to win in the next few years. How many times have we been talking about a Strasburg injury and a Strasburg career maybe being over? (laughs) His his whole career. (laughs) That's right. Yesterday, the Cardinals down 7-0, came back to tie it with 7 in the 6th. It's a 7-7 game. And then Jesse Winker hits his third homer of the game in the top of the ninth. Cardinals actually had a chance in the bottom of the ninth, but with runners on second and third, nobody out couldn't get that run home. And they wound up falling eight to seven. Manager Mike Schilt, are you frustrated here? Well, I mean, look, you think about it. You're down six to one in the ninth and you got the tie and run up. You're down four to one. Are you go ahead run up rather two days ago? You know, yesterday tie and run and then today you know, winning run again uh, on the base at second base with nobody out. There's no consolation prizes in this game. We understand that. But I can confidently tell you this. I'm frustrated, but I'm not concerned. Uh, You know, the reason I'm frustrated because we weren't able to get work, you know, get the result that we would like to have in the game. I'm not concerned because when you have a group of guys come in base and cleans ball, you know, our walks are down. um, So that narrative has, has improved. Um, and we fought our tails off and competed at every turn. There'd be concern if there was other things that were taking place, um, lack of effort, lack of fight, lack of competitive spirit, um, you know, not playing clean, playing sloppy, beating ourselves. Um, but that wasn't necessarily the case the last this whole series. And while it's frustrating, um, I still have, there's ton to feel good about with this club, and I, I feel great about this club. I'm proud of them. During this section of games where the Cardinals have struggled, yesterday to me was kind of the outlier because I am with Mike Schild. The Cardinals did not come out looking great, and they fought back out of an unbelievable hole and put themselves in a position to win. And in that moment last night in the ninth, I trusted Alex Reyes. I wouldn't want anybody else in that position than Alex Reyes, and sometimes games like that don't go your way. And I do appreciate the fact that this team is fighting and that they're not going to roll over and that they have that tenacity and that belief in themselves. However, when you come back and you're able to erase a seven-run deficit and you have other opportunities to take the knife and jam it into their eye and into their brains and kill them, like our friend Mm -hmm. Doug Armstrong down Market Street would say, you need to take advantage of that opportunity, especially when the team isn't going right and and you're on the precipice of being swept by the Reds. They had the opportunity to win that game and they weren't able to muster it. So while I do appreciate the effort, I would feel a whole lot better about the state of the team if they would have won that game yesterday. You need to take the knife and jam it through their eye into their brain and kill them. Thank you, Doug. Yeah, I would have felt better about it too. And you have Tyler O'Neill, pretty hot hitter up there with the second and third, nobody out. That's right. And you can't get the runs home. But hey, as Ron Washington once so famously said, that's how baseball go. It does. And most teams during a regular season are going to have ebbs and flows. You're going to have ups and downs. And right now, the Cardinals are in a tough spot. I'm looking more at it from a person. Like, I'm with Mike Schultz. I'm frustrated. But I am concerned, though. Unlike him. I'm frustrated. I am concerned. Because I'm looking at this moving forward and saying, 
there's a chance that someone else could get injured. There's there's a chance sure. that guys could go cold. There's all of these other things that happen during a normal, regular stretch of baseball that the Cardinals might not have been dealing with yet. And you compound that with the injuries that they're already facing. And we don't know that some of these guys that they get back are going to be right right away. We don't know that if you get some of these pitchers back, that injuries aren't going to be re-aggravated. So I am a little bit more concerned, and I'm mostly concerned with the pitching. Would you rather have Schilt's demeanor here or Aaron Boone saying, this is the worst week of the season? No, I would rather have Schultz demeanor, and I'm sure that the guys in the clubhouse would rather have Schultz demeanor, too. And that's why he's in that position, because he's going to take a very even approach to this. He's always going to have his guys back. He's never going to let them see that he's panicking. He and Mike Maddox could could be calling up John Mosaic, and all three of them could be panicking. They could be having a panic party. Mm -hmm. They could be saying, what are we going to do? We are in a rough spot right now. That, frankly, they could be saying, we're screwed. This is going to be bad. But you're never going to let your guys know that because if you don't believe in them, why should they believe in themselves? So, Skipper, we know you're not concerned, but why the frustration? Frustration lies in not getting you know, a reward for the effort over the last three days. It's been pretty damn good for a group that, you know, it's it's um, maybe no one wants to hear it. I'm not, I'm not really sure what you want to hear. I, I care to some degree. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know if anybody cares about you know, people working their tail off and, and, you know, playing 17 straight and tough flights. I mean, that's our job. And, no, and I'm not complaining about it. But frustration is when you see people that that work through that, make zero excuse for it, um, figure out a way to, to, to compete and lay it out there when they're, you know, mentally and physically beat up and do everything they possibly can to, to come home with, you know, one more run than the other team. Um, you're frustrated when you don't see a reward for a group that's laying it slap out there. I mean, you you watch a series and guys. I mean, again, you say, well, they do their job, but you know, it's a group that every every turn was all go, everything they had, and I got a ton of respect for that. So my frustrations for the lack of uh, lack of uh, return on the investment. I'm okay with that. R e l a x. Relax. We're gonna be okay. Thank you, Aaron. I'm okay with with that statement from Mike Schultz, too. He's right. This has been an incredibly tough grind of 17 games. And I'm sure the Cardinals are a little bit physically and mentally depleted. And they still found the energy to muster up a rally yesterday. And I respect and appreciate that. I really do. But are you going to be able to sustain that every game for the coming weeks while you're waiting to get guys back from injury? That's that's where we're going to really find right. out what this team is made of because it's not going to get any easier from here until you get those guys back. And I bet there are people out there. I, I mentioned Aaron Boone with the Yankees. He said, he said, this is just a bad ending to a terrible weekend. We've got to get better. That's fun to hear, too. Yes, it is. If you're a fan. And we know that Mike Schilt has that in him. Yeah. We've seen it. Right. Some, sometimes behind closed doors, sometimes in in front of the media. But usually he's doing that when you see him like that, he's protecting his guys. And maybe in this instant, he knows the room better than we do. He knows how to read the clubhouse better than we do. Maybe taking an even approach, he thinks, is the best way to extract what he needs out of his players. Especially when you don't have your guys. Exactly. If, you have, if you're missing, Paul DeYoung was not playing great, but he's your starting shortstop. You're missing your starting catcher. You're missing your starting center fielder. If you win up the middle, you're missing three-fourths of your regular everyday players Mm -hmm. that play up the middle, plus 60% of your starting rotation. So you do have guys that are trying that shouldn't even be here. Right. 
So that's an issue. That is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy with you. It's 813. And coming up, are the Avalanche, after sweeping the Blues, going to get knocked out of these playoffs by the Knights? It's coming your way with Chris Kerber on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line, and our friend, the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, joins us on a Monday morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? Randy, I'm doing great. How are you? Everything's good. I was watching, as I think a lot of people were last night, the Golden Knights against the Avalanche, and the Golden Knights look suspiciously like the 2019 Blues in the way they handled the, the Colorado Avalanche last night. They did. They, you know, they handled them pretty well. And what, what I was thinking is somewhat similar to you is the, the Golden Knights are trying to figure them out over the series. You know, the first games obviously go to Colorado. The Golden Knights kind of battle back. They get Ryan Reeves back from a suspension. Uh, McNabb could be coming off of uh, and, and be healthy coming off of the COVID list. So put all that in there, and it's going to th- continue to make this series long. Now the question is, is can Jared Bednar's group with Colorado you know, adjust to what Colorado, uh, Vegas has thrown at them now in the last couple of games tonight. It's a classic great series of adjustments because these two teams are so doggone good, it's going to be the little things that make a difference. Curbs, those two teams right now are the standard in the NHL. How far away do you think the Blues are from Vegas and Colorado? You know what, uh, I, David Perron has talked about this. Others have talked about it, Michelle. I don't think they're very far. I just don't think there's that great of a difference between the good teams in this league. And uh, fans are tired of hearing me talk about it. it I, health was just an issue this year. And could the Blues beat the, the, one of these two teams in a seven-game playoff series? I'd like to think they could, but to do that, you'd have to be healthy. And and uh, and they just weren't. So get a healthy group, fill in some of the holes that we've talked about. And it's a different style of hockey, but I think it's a winnable one. So I, I, I like the Blues' chances. I don't, I don't look at these two teams and think, oh, my goodness, they're juggernauts, and it's going to take a while to catch them. Uh, I think the Blues are poised to be in a really good spot to compete against them. Curbs, it is still my belief that the winner of that series is going to win the Stanley Cup. And by the way, that series even at two games apiece now. Do you think there's another team that stands out to you that you say, okay, I would not be surprised if they would beat Colorado or Vegas? You know what, uh, I I think that Tampa and Boston are, are the two, to, to, to me, that, that have a chance to do it. I think Boston has the goaltending. Boston has the grinded-out kind of game uh, to muck it up a little bit. They, and their style just is, it seems to just continue to give them success, doesn't it? And then to me, Tampa. Tampa's got the scoring. They've got the speed to match them. They've got some transition game going. And, and they've also got a little bit of nastiness to them and some grit to them. So, um, I would have to think in, in, in agreement with you, Randy, that those two teams would be the favorites going in. But uh, but I think you'd get some pretty good value with Tampa or Boston on there. Montreal, it's it's, it's about Carey Price. And Carey yeah. Price is just – Carey Price is finally performing in the playoffs again the way Montreal has needed him to perform for a long time, you know, and, uh, and, and he is carrying them right now. But he's carrying them through a Canadian division that just – you know, I've, you, you've, we've talked about it. I didn't think that, that – Toronto, I didn't think that Edmonton were very good uh, playoff-built teams, and, and that's proven to be the case. And uh, it would be interesting to see how Montreal responds against uh, whatever team they end up playing. Curbs, when you look at your list of questions or concerns for the Blues that you, if you're Doug Armstrong, would want to tackle this offseason, what's at the top of the list for you? 
Well, I, well, obviously the top of the list has got to be a decision on what you're doing with Jaden Schwartz and can you come to an agreement with him. And, and that, that's going to determine whether you have one hole uh, in your top six on the left wing or do you have two. And even then, do you consider Jaden Schwartz top six at this point or on a really good team? Does he really round out uh, uh, maybe that second line to edging into your third line role on the left wing? You've got the, you've got restricted free agents. You've got to get figured out. And Robert Thomas, and Jordan Cairo, and Vince Dunn, and Zach Sanford. Are you going to keep all those guys? It would not surprise me to see somebody not get tendered an offer. Because one thing that Doug Armstrong, I know, does believe is that in the cap world, cap space is an asset. And we've seen teams trade cap space, right? So sometimes it's not just a player. Just reserving cap space is an asset, too in some ways like getting a draft pick. So to me that that's part of those those are two big things, Michelle. And then and then I think it's how are you gonna find some help on the free agent market if there's not a, a trade to be made. And for example, you've got a, a, a Zach Hyman, a Ryan Nugent Hopkins, a Taylor Hall, a, a Saad, Landis Cog, Coleman. Coleman with Tampa intrigues the living heck out of me as a me free too. agent. Uh, for the for the St. Louis Blues in a, in such a huge way, and so if that's the case, Randy, we know that it's uh, a bunch of other teams, but there's some options out there for him to, uh, you know, to to improve this team, and and I think that aggressiveness has to be the mo this summer. I really do. If you want a guy that at least provides the skill set that Alexander Steen brought you, Blake Coleman is one of those guys, and on a different level, uh, also on the fourth line for Tampa. Barkley Goodrow would be a quintessential St. Louis Blue. Well, the thing about Blake Holmes, first off, it'd be great to get uh, another Miami of Ohio guy in here because <laughs> Joe would have to be reminded of that every single broadcast. So I think that that would be uh, – and I suggest you ask him about that. Like, if they were to get Blake Coleman, how many times would he let me tell him that he played at Miami of Ohio? I think Joe's response would be fun. It would have to be 82 or less. So, uh, so th- there's that. But listen – you look at this guy, and he's only making $1.8 million this year, mm-hmm. right? Now, and I haven't studied Tampa's cap situation, right? So I don't know, you know how easy it would be for it to keep him. But look at the, the way he's hit 20 goals. Look at what he could bring. He's one of those players that kind of like an Alexander Steen uh, in, in this way to me, Randy. He was kind of held down in Toronto as a third, fourth-line guy the whole time he was there. The Blues bring him in and, and start to elevate him. And for a while there, Alexander Steen was part of your top line, right? Mm-hmm. I think in this lineup, a guy like Blake Coleman could be one heck of a complimentary player to a, to an O'Reilly and a David Perron and find a role. I mean, I'll go back to uh, to Craig Conroy, for example, right? Remember, he, was just a, he couldn't get beyond the third line with Joel Quenville here in St. Louis. They move him to Calgary. And he ends up centering Jerome Ginla, picking up 77 points for three or four straight years. So I, I'm curious to see if a guy like Blake Coleman could be that type of guy. Curbs, what do you think the Blues should do with Vladimir Tarasenko? Would you put him on the protected list for the expansion draft? Man, this is when your gut and your hockey sense really has to play a role here. The, the answer, Michelle, is I don't know. Um, you know, you've got a guy that if he's healthy and if he's able to come back after a healthy off season, you know, you've got somebody that could pick you up 35 to 40 goals. Uh, at the same time, he's only scored eight goals since the Stanley cup final in 2019. You know, if you, if your Intel makes you think that, and, and this is, by the way, this isn't about ego. 
if we're worried about his feelings or something like that, in this case, we're worried about the wrong thing. All right. Uh, if you're worried about his feelings or, or players' feelings when it comes to whether or not somebody was named captain or not, then we're worried about the wrong thing. This one comes down to the depth of your team. If you don't think, and your intel tells you that you don't think he's going to get picked, then I think it's more important that you turn around and protect a guy like a Barbashev or somebody like that that protects your depth. If you really think you could lose him, now you've got a decision to make. And, and I'm not not knowing the medical side of things and what it's been around him every day for the last year in terms of what they really think of where his game is. I don't know the answer to that. But that that is a huge question right now because if there's a chance you could leave him unprotected and still keep him, I like your ability to protect a guy like a Barbashev and, and keep some depth there. Yeah, I feel the same way, Curbs. It's, here's a guy that's played 24 games in two calendar seasons now and has had three shoulder surgeries. And it's not about him. It's about your team. And I would dare Seattle to take him. If they want to gamble on a guy that's played 24 games in a couple of years, he's going to be 30, and he's had the three surgeries, I'm willing to roll the dice. And if they take him, it gives you $7.5 million in cap room. Well, and, yep, that's that's another aspect of it. So, again, do you think you've gotten the best out of Vladimir Tarasenko and the injuries are going to be too much? That That's a, that's a big question mark here. And, you know, and, and look, he, when, when going, and we even saw it in the last game, unfortunately it was too predictable we'd see it then, is that, you know, you you could see where he's got an elite shot and he's got the elite ability to do it. But I wonder if, and, and this is where the, the team and, and Vladdy have to get on the same page here. Vladdy's got to adjust his game, it appears. Uh, teams have kind of figured out where to get to him. They figured out he likes to stay on the outside. And, and they figured out how to defend him. And I think that's been part of it, not just the injuries. Um, so, you know, to, to me, and then look look what happened. The power play was not good with him on it. Um, you know, the, the, the six on five, when they put him out there, was not great with him. And, you again, when not when we don't get a chance to really check in with the coaches or, or, or Doug or even Vladdy on this one, I don't know how much of this is health, you know, and how much of it is, is, is hamstring, as he said, or what. But there, there's some real – internal discussions that have to happen and I think maybe even including some conversations with Vladimir Tarasenko that, that lead you into that decision and, and that's not that, that's not copping out on trying to answer the question guys it's just trying to give you everything involved it is not an easy decision on that one oh, good answer Curbs always good to hear your voice thanks so much for the time have a great week and we'll talk to you soon guys have an awesome week we'll talk to you next week see you later that is the voice of your St. Louis Blues here on 101 ESPN Chris Kerber Coming up next, we have a new fighter for the fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Kelly. Welcome back to Caregrin's Moment on this Monday. It's 835. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It's time for the fight. Randy's competition this morning is Kevin. What's up, Kevin? How was your weekend? 
Hey, good morning. Happy Monday. It was great. Uh, how was yours? It was great as well. You know, I went to the uh, the Riz Show Fast Lane Home Run Derby on Saturday night. We haven't talked about it on the show yet today because our 101 ESPN team did not come home victorious, but it was a good time. There you go. Um, all right, Kevin, are you ready to take on Randy? As ready as I can be, I guess. I love it. All right, question number one. The Atlanta Falcons agreed to trade their star wide receiver, Julio Jones, to the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. Julio Jones was drafted sixth overall in the 2011 NFL draft out of which university? Is it LSU, Alabama, or Georgia? Alabama. Ricky Horton, our guest during the 7 a.m. hour, won the World Series in 1988 with which team? The L.A. Dodgers, the St. Louis Cardinals, or the San Francisco Giants? 88, you said? Yes. The Dodgers. All right, Kevin. Trey Young had an awesome game last night as the Hawks beat the 76ers. He had 35 points and 10 assists. Who is the Hawks' all-time leader in games played? Is it Dominique Wilkins, Bob Pettit, or Ed McCauley? Dominique Wilkins. And with his win yesterday, Tony La Russa moved into sole possession of second place on the manager's all-time wins list with his 2,764th win, passing John McGraw, who remains in first. Is it Sparky Anderson, Bobby Cox, or Connie Mack? Connie Mack. Ooh, all right. Kevin coming in hot on a Monday. Trying to get Randy's attention here. Kevin, can't tell you how you did, but let's just say you should be feeling pretty confident. Randy, as you get settled in, say what's up to Kevin. Great to have Kevin with us here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Doing well, sir. Yourself? Good. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right, Randy. Question number one. Mm -hmm. The Atlanta Falcons agreed to trade their star wide receiver, Julio Jones, to the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Julio Jones was drafted sixth overall in the 2011 NFL Draft out of which university? Number eight at Alabama. Number, he wore number eight. (laughs) I was trying to think of a number for him for the Titans because 11 is taken by A.J. Brown. Eight's already taken by their punter, too. I I think he's going to have to wear something in the 80s, maybe, 83. Mm. Or they're just going to have to cut somebody. Number 19 doesn't do anything for them. So. Ricky Horton, our guest during the 7 a.m. hour, won the World Series in 1988 with which team? The Doyers. Okay, Randy. Trey Young had an awesome game last night as the Hawks defeated the 76ers. He had 35 points and 10 assists. Who was the Hawks' all-time leader in games played? Games played for the Hawks. It sure seems like it would be Dominique Wilkins. Um... But just in case, I'll take the names. Who do you got? Dominic Wilkins, Bob Pettit, Ed McCauley. It was not easy, Ed. So I'm going to go with Neek. And with his win yesterday, Tony LaRusso moved into sole possession of second place on the manager's all-time wins list with his 2,764th win, passing John McGraw, who remains in first. Connie Mack. Wow. Okay, this is one way to start the fight this week. We've got a tie. All right. Both Randy and Kevin got all four correct. Both of you guys just really on one today. So we're going to go to the tiebreaker question, Kevin. Here's how this is going to work. I'm going to read the question. Randy's going to write his answer down on his little sheet of paper over there. You're going to get first crack at it. 
we're going to have you reveal your answer. You're going to get about 10 seconds to tell us what you think. Randy will tell us what he wrote down on the sheet of paper. First person to get it correct or closest to the pin wins. Are you guys ready? Ready. Kevin? Ready. All right. Your tiebreaker question is this. How many athletes have played in both the NBA and MLB? How many athletes have played in both the NBA and in Major League Baseball? Hmm. Good question. Five. Okay, Kevin, with five. And I think I'm going to go with, we have the Danny Ainge, you've got Dave DeBusher. Uh, I'll go with seven. Okay. This is very close. Kevin saying five, Randy saying seven. We have a closest to the pin situation. Emily, who won? The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. Kevin, you were oh so close. I hate Randy when the listener lose this way when he they get all four correct and then lose. I know it was a great run. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, great job. You got all four correct. So Julio Jones drafted out of Alabama in the 2011 NFL draft. Ricky Horton won the World Series in 1988 with the Dodgers. Dominique Wilkins is the Hawks all time leader in games played with 882. Number one on the all-time wins list for Major League Baseball managers is Connie Mack. 3,731 wins. Wow. 1,000 ahead of Tony. Unbelievable. And the question for the tiebreaker was how many athletes have played in both the NBA and Major League Baseball? Kevin said five. Randy said seven. The correct answer is 13. Hmm. 13 people. Kevin, unbelievable fight. Sorry that it didn't work out for you, but thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Awesome time. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your week. Kevin, you too. Thank you so much. Kevin with us on a Monday morning on 101 ESPN, and that is the fight. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. A late edition of Take It or Leave It coming your way. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> All right, we welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780, Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. And Michelle, coming up at 9.15, we're going to talk to Rob Domofsky. He covers the Green Bay Packers for ESPN.com and obviously is covering that Aaron Rodgers situation. But my take it or leave it is this. Teoli, Jordan Love will play at least five years as the Packers starting quarterback. Oh, that's a really good one. And I am going to take it because even if he's not that great, I think they've put so much stock into him now that they're just going to let it ride out for a little bit. I'm with you. I think he it's it'll be and he'll be benefited, actually, if he gets hurt. It'll, it'll be kind of like the Bradford situation here where he'll get every benefit of the doubt, even if he has a couple of bad years in Green Bay. They'll come up with excuses and try to build around him. I think so, too. They'll do anything they possibly yep, to can make it work. To, to attempt to make it work. I don't know if it will work. So, um, Randy, Saturday night, I, we were talking about this uh, during the fight before you joined us. I went to the Risho versus Fastlane home run derby. And, of course, the Fastlane has a former MLB player in Brad Thompson, so I'm sure they blew the Risho out. Well, let's 
Let's just start with Brad Thompson, who had an unbelievable showing. Okay, he showed us that he still got it, and he's a pitcher who can rake. Mm-hmm. Brad had an yeah. unbelievable showing. So did Anthony Stalter, by the way. He can drive the fast lane. He can also drive the team oh, in yeah. home runs. He's like a he's like the number one slow pitch softball player in St. Louis. He's great. He is yeah. great. However, what we didn't know was that the Riz show can also show up. They ended up winning. It was unbelievable. Moon came up in the first round and hit 11 home runs. Really? Moon. Yes. So, but, for Moon. But Jamie Rivers was not there. Jamie Rivers was not there. That's kind of lame. Take it or leave it. If Jamie was there and the fast lane was at full capacity and they had another professional athlete on the squad, they would have beaten the ratio. I will take that. Yes. The fact that Jamie wasn't there was a devastating blow for the 101 ESPN fast lane team. It's like the Blues, right? With David Perron not there, how right. are they expected to be at full capacity? It's just unfair. So for all the people in the stands that were giving the fast lane trouble, they're the sports station. They should win the sports challenge. They're missing a pretty big component in a professional athlete. So lay off our guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Just thought and that wasn't fair to critique them that way. So... Are you telling me that uh, BK and Ferrario didn't really step up big time for our squad? They gave it their all, Randy. Okay, as long they as there were the all. effort was Great there. Great team players. I was in yeah. the dugout with them. Unbelievable teammates. Um, and sometimes, some nights you just don't have it. Some nights yeah. you just don't have it. And the the pitcher was Tony Patrico's friend. So who's to say that he wasn't the pitching fix. BK and Ferrario really tough? The fix was in. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right. To your text, 65780. And Emily, what do you have for us? From the 314, take it or leave it. Pat Maroon winning a third cup in a row is better for Blues fans than if the Avs won the cup and we lost to the champs. Yeah, I'll take that. Oh, I'll definitely take that. To cheer for a St. Louisan to win again over Stan Kroenke's team? Pff, easy. 100% of the time. 100%. So, as a matter of fact, I don't know how many teams are left in the NHL. It'll be four before you know it. That's the last team I want to win. The Avalanche. Oh, me too. I hope that Vegas crushes them. Me too. But boy, are they good. Yeah, for the moment. For the moment, yeah. From the 573, take it or leave it. Given the division they play in and their roster, no one should be surprised that the Montreal Canadiens are one win away from the conference final. I'll take that. They actually were considered a pretty good team at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the season. They hit a lull. But the way Carey Price is playing and the way they're built for the playoffs... Uh, and by the way, without Mark Shifley, Winnipeg is a different team. Right. And he got suspended. I don't think anybody should be surpri- surprised by that. It would be so great if we were still talking blues hockey right now, wouldn't it? Yeah, With the Cardinals be being banged up, not performing that well right now. It would be so great if we had playoff hockey to pour our emotions if into. We would be talking about a blues victory this morning. Ugh. It'd be great. Miss those days. From the 314, take it or leave it, the Nets will beat the Bucks in five games. I'm going to leave that, and I, I was considering talking about that for my Tioli because I think there's a chance now without Harden, if he doesn't play in this series, I think Milwaukee can win that series. You think it goes six? You think it goes seven? I, I think it goes at least six if Harden isn't there. and it, I, I could see him, and he's not playing in game two. If he doesn't play for the series then I, it's a long series. If he winds up playing in game three, that and he's effective, and I, he was out for a month with the same injury. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think we'll see him in this series. But if if he's not there, I think this goes a really long way because Milwaukee can play defense. They're with Giannis and uh, 
Holiday, they're, they're pretty solid. Uh, Middleton, they can play defense. The difficulty that they're going to have, they had in game one, is matching up like everybody in the world will have difficulty with, matching up with KD. Of course. Which is why I still like the Nets, by the way. Um, speaking of Giannis, before I forget, we need St. Louis's help. Big time. Because you may remember I was on the morning show, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, a couple of weeks ago. We had to find our biggest star in town. I chose Yadier Molina here in St. Louis, and he is going up against Giannis. This is a very tough battle for Yadi to win. Giannis is the number one seed. Yadi is the number two seed. So I've retweeted it at M. Smallman. I think, Randy, you have, have too, right? Yeah. So at Randy Carricker, we'll probably... Probably throw it on 101ESPN.com or on our Twitter, too. But go vote for Yachty, okay? It's Yachty versus Giannis. And Yachty's career, the body of work that he has put together, he deserves to beat Giannis in this. And as St. Louis, we we didn't have a lot of uh, things to smile about over the weekend. So why don't we take matters into our own hands and we'll take a W here for Yachty. So vote for Yachty. There's only 1,700 votes right now. He's losing he has 41.5% of the vote to Giannis' is 58%. So go vote for Yachty. On Twitter and Michelle at M. Smallman, S-M-A-L-L-M-O-N, and Randy at Randy Carricker, we have both retweeted it, and we want you to go vote right now. From the 636, take it or leave it. Next season, we will see a noticeable decline with LeBron because of it being a full NBA season. I'll take it because he's going to be older. I was just going to say, I'll, I'll take it just because I think we're seeing a, a bit of a decline anyway. Yeah, he's been hurt now two of the last mm-hmm. three years. I believe that, well, I, I said last week, I think he's won his last championship. Man, I hope that's not the case. I hope he finds a way to get one more. He'll need some help. They'll need to get Dame. Well, I would not be surprised if he, if anybody could pull that off, it's LeBron. He'll find a way. Yeah. From the 636, take it or leave it, Schilt is the Cardinals manager for at least three more years. Take it, it for sure. I would say five more years. I'm with you. The Cardinals like consistency, and Mike Schilt has proven to be a good manager. Think about how long Mike Matheny was here, and people Mm -hmm. weren't even sold on Mike Matheny for half of the time that he was the the Cardinals manager. I think Mike Schilt's here for a long time. And by the way, any difficulty that the Cardinals are experiencing right now has nothing to do with the way the team is being managed. Exactly. From the 314, take it or leave it, the Blues should trade for both Kachuk brothers. I'll take that. I'll take that, too. That would be awesome. Now, is that possible? Apparently, Brady Kachuk is, like, absolutely untouchable. The one guy in Ottawa that they say we will not trade is Brady Kachuk. You see rumblings that maybe Matthew is available. I don't know about that, but if he is available, then I think the Blues should do what they can within reason to get him. I don't think that anyone's untouchable. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers. He's untouchable, and he's trying to find his way out. I think that any player at any time can can somehow oh, be moved. Absolutely. But if you're the Blues, do you give up Thomas Kyrou and five number ones to get Brady Kachuk? Is he that meaningful to your organization? Likely no. That doesn't feel like a <laughs> Doug Armstrong play. <laughs> From the 618, take it or leave it, a missed three-footer is way more aggravating than a chunked chip shot. Ah. Uh, I will say that I get madder at myself because of a chunked chip shot. Really? I do. I think I would get more mad at the three-footer. Well, realistically, we should feel that way. Yes. Because a three-footer should be easier. But I I have it in my mind that I'm okay with my short game. And then when I chunk it like 25% of the time, I just feel like I, I, I yell at myself when I chunk a chip shot. 
I do not yell at myself when I miss a three-footer. I just go, oh, Randy, come on. Really? Yeah. That's surprising. Yeah. I don't really yell at myself either time because I don't expect myself to. So what I I do is I grip my teeth and say, Randy, when I miss the, when I chunk one. Do you swear on the golf course? Now and then. Okay. Yeah, I do. You're not, not, a, you're no, not a, a guy that does that often, so I'm curious if the rage blackout takes over. Not rage blackout, just uh, intense frustration. Okay. From the 618, take it or leave it, Albert Pujols has a better season than Matt Carpenter. Hmm. Yeah, I'll take that. I, I think he's got seven home runs already. Marp has three. They're pretty much the same offensive player. They're both sub-600 OPS guys. Marp will get more opportunities, I believe. I was just That's where I was going is I, I wonder as the season progresses how many opportunities Albert's really going to get. Yeah, it'll, it will diminish as they go along, no doubt about it. From the 314, take it or leave it, the NFL allowing players to wear whatever number they want is going to be majorly confusing. For Tom Brady, it is. For Randy Carragher, is it? Because I know you're a numbers guy. No, I'll know everybody's number. I think it's great. Yeah, I do too. I think it's fun. I think it's very fun, and I don't think it's going to be that confusing. I think that you'll know the majority of players what their numbers are. I wish that they would have made the changes more dramatic because my opinion is that the coolest thing in football is seeing a 330-pound guy wearing a single-digit number, like a, a giant defensive tackle that's wearing number six. I think that's fun. It is. I think we need that. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. The Cardinals still plagued by injuries. Are they going to be able to hang in until they get guys back, though? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN 902. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And Michelle, as we look at the Cardinals' list of IL players, it's pretty long. It's taking up like a half page, (laughs) single spaced of our sheet here. It is too long, if you ask me. Way too long. Dakota Hudson, Miles Michaelis, Cody Whitley, uh, Jack Flaherty, Max Maroff, we hardly knew you, Jordan Hicks, uh, Paul DeYoung, Harrison Bader, Justin Williams, KK, uh, now Yachty day-to-day with a knee injury. And with KK, again, that back stiffness that caused him to miss the first three weeks of the season. Mike Schilt talked about him after placing him on the IL and said that, hey, this is a guy that we need and that at some point is going to have to be consistently healthy if we're going to be able to win. You need that left-hander in your rotation if you're the Cardinals. do have an update on KK. Um... He is moving better than he was the last time he had this issue, although still present and will require um, an IL stint that we don't think will be greater than, hopefully too much greater than the 10 days, but is required and creates some opportunities for our roster. Um, So that's the update for KK. I don't know how many opportunities there are for the roster, Michelle, because there are only two position players on the 40-man roster down at Memphis that are healthy. The, the whole situation is a mess because they've got so many injured players at Memphis, too. I know. There's, it's, 
there's no clear-cut answer no. for a solution here. Now, we had earlier in the show asked for people to submit what could potentially be an option for us for our third pillar of the show. We have two mm-hmm. pillars. We need four total. And someone suggested keep the panic bus warm. Are you getting to that point with the Cardinals super early in the season, but are you getting to the point where you want to warm up the panic bus? Not yet. No. Now, if they lose the next five and get swept by the Cubs over the weekend, we come back here next Monday and they're seven games out, something like that, then yeah, I would say that 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 would be panic bus worthy. Does it make you at least take a pause that the Cubs also dealing with a lot of injuries? They have a lot of guys on the injured list, mm-hmm. and they're finding ways to win. Patrick Wisdom has been, un, been unbelievable for them. Yeah, he's pretty good. Patty pretty, Smarts with a couple of more homers yesterday. Patty Smarts would look great with the birds on the bat, that one. Yeah, they did a better job of preparing for injuries, and their injuries have been primarily to their position guys. They really haven't lost much in terms of their pitching, especially in their starting rotation. So their injuries are a little bit different, but you got to give them credit because they went out and got guys, veteran players, to fill holes, and the Cardinals did not do as good a job in preparing for all of these injuries. Yeah, they're in a tough spot right now. I'm not on the panic bus yet, but I am concerned, especially when my main concern is all the names that you just read off of this incredibly long list that are pitchers' names. And that means that you're going to have to rely on Adam Wainwright. No problem there. But Carlos Martinez, again, comes into focus now. You, You have to have him be better than he was during his last outing. And what we saw out of him the last time does concern me. He's shown signs this season that... He could be someone to rely on. But then when the moment strikes, when coming off of Jack Flaherty's injury in a game that the Cardinals need him to show what he can do, he gets bounced in the first inning. So that's that's kind of where I'm at right now is that I know that you need to rely on guys like Wayne and Carlos. And when I can only rely on one of those two guys, I'm wondering where the pitching is going to come from. Yeah, it's. It's a very difficult situation right now, and they're going to have to patch things together, much like they have with the outfield, because you're missing Bader already, Mm -hmm. and now you're missing guys that aren't giving you an awful lot, like Justin Williams having to go on the I.L. All right, so also Justin Williams going on the I.L., he's been unavailable the last two days with a stiff neck, Um, and that's not been something that we've been able to um, medically uh, get past. So he's going to go on the IL as well. So Angel Rondon will come up and John Nagowski will be back for those two moves. So you got that. And then, of all things, you have Yadi suffer a knee injury. And he's day-to-day. He's not going on the IL at least initially because of how tough he is. Yeah, I mean, this guy, I, I, you know, if, if we're going to come across, I, don't, I mean, I can't speak for y'all, but I, I, I've not seen a tougher human. I've seen a fair amount of tough guys. That's no question about it. I've grown up in uh, athletics and sports and clubhouses my whole life. And um, this guy's the alpha of the alphas. And, um, you know, but there also is, there's just injuries that regardless of how tough you want to be and um, mind over matter that, you know, just a functional issue. He is the alpha of the alphas. Yeah. He never wants to not play. He will battle through any injury that he possibly can. I always defer back to the very painful injury that he sustained that most guys don't even like to think about or mm-hmm. talk about. Yep. And Yachty's basically walking out of the hospital. He's, he, he is as tough as they possibly come. But it, 
you don't want to have to push it with him. You're going to need him down the stretch, especially when everybody's getting healthy. So I would try to rest him as much as possible. Even when he says he's ready to go, I would try to take it back just a little bit. The thing is, from a performance standpoint, when you have a bunch of pitchers that haven't been around, this is nothing against Andrew Kisner and his abilities, but Yachty makes pitchers better. Of course. And when you have pitchers that haven't been there, he's going to be a huge part of it. Now, you like to have him, for example, go Wednesday. I would like to have him tomorrow. Even though Kisner has performed well with Martinez, I really thought that Yachty was a, a guy that could have settled Martinez down in that first inning in L.A. Mm-hmm. And that he wasn't available for that. Well, he was was available, but Kisner had gone well with Martinez. I was going to say, and, they had had a vibe going, yeah. those two. So if you're going to give him a day off, maybe it's Wednesday. But then on Friday, you've got a day game, a day off on Thursday. You just have to have Yachty in there. That's all. We go. Oh, it's us. New passengers. So maybe. Oh, this is long. Nope. More. Here we go. So maybe it's not keep the panic bus warm, but the new pillar is keep the key in your pocket. Yep. We need to shorten that somehow, but just have the key at the ready for yeah. the panic bus yeah. because you never know when you need to fire that baby up. Yeah. Yeah. Know where the panic bus key is. Yeah. Because sometimes, like for something that you keys. don't use a lot, keep the keys. Keep the keys to yeah. the panic bus. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. And you and I are usually the last two people to get on. Right. I And normally, I think you get on before I do. But in this well, case, somebody's got to drive. Well, in this case, I'm ready to fire it up. And you're telling me, no, take a deep breath. Long season. They're going to get a lot of guys back, which I understand all of that. But if we're this were last year and the season had ended yesterday, mm-hmm. I'd be upset and bothered. Yeah, but sure. we'd still be in the playoffs because of the expanded playoffs last year. Yesterday was game 60. The Cardinals are lucky that they're playing in the division that they are. Yeah, they are. But where else are you going to put them? I mean, they're right in the middle of the country. They have to be in the know. central. I'm just saying they're lucky that, this, that the competition is what it is in the central this year. That's yeah. the way I should have we'll, phrased we'll, it. We'll take that. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And that's today's big thing here on 101 ESPN Cardinals with a well-deserved day off. And tomorrow, they'll welcome the Cleveland Indians to town. Cleveland doesn't hit much, but boy, can they pitch. So this might work out with Goldie and Arenado getting hot. This might work out. This might be a good series for the Cardinals to take a a couple. Next up, Aaron Rodgers still hasn't been traded. Will he be traded? Rob Domoski covers the Packers for ESPN.com and he'll join us to talk about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker, 101 ESPN in St. Louis. And a really interesting situation continues to unfold in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Rob Domoski covers the Green Bay Packers for ESPN and is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Rob, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. How are you guys? I'm doing really well. And I was humored by the Mark Murphy column at Packers.com. And for people that aren't aware of it, uh, a question from Ken. Dear Mark, you've done a great job. Don't let the negative people drag you down. Washington needs a name. I suggest the generals. And Murphy responds, thanks, Ken. The situation we face with Aaron Rodgers has divided our fan base and goes on to explain why it's divided our fan base. It seems, at least the way 
Mark Murphy, the president of the Packers, wrote it. He couldn't wait to talk about the Aaron Rodgers situation. Is that accurate? The question had nothing to do with Rodgers, no. right? I mean, <laughs> right. And, and, and I read it going, okay, um, why would you admit that this is dividing your fan base? Like, to me, that seemed like a strange admission uh, for a team president. And, and for those who don't know, essentially the team president here acts as the owner because it's a publicly held team by uh, a bunch of shareholders who really have um, – stock, but no value. The stock has no value. That's another story. But then I'm, the more I thought about it, Randy, I said, well, maybe he's doing this to sort of force Aaron Rodgers' hand and, and make Rodgers realize that people aren't necessarily for him in this case. And like, to me, I, I thought all along, the only thing that could bring Rodgers back to Green Bay is if he realizes that the fans have turned against him. Because that part of it is still important to him, um, his legacy and, and how people in Green Bay feel about him, um, I think is still important to him. And so at first I thought, boy, Murphy's just not very bright for writing that, for writing that they've divide, the fans are divided. But then I started to think, well, maybe if he did it as a way to, to sort of pursue or, uh, or convince Rodgers um, that people were against him, then, then maybe it's not such a dumb move after all. That's interesting, Rob, because when I read that, I viewed it as him planting the seed that the fans didn't necessarily want Aaron Rodgers there anymore because of his attitude, yeah. so that if they do part ways with him, he'll have an excuse in his back pocket as to why. Right. No, I, that, Michelle, that's, incre- that's, that's also a very strong possibility. And, and I can tell you, you know, from like an unofficial poll that I've taken around town, just, you know, wherever I go and people all that want to talk about it, it sure does seem like there's a decent amount of the people that say, well, you know what? If Rogers doesn't want to be here, uh, forget him then. So um, there, 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 there definitely is some of that. And I'm just not sure how much of that Rogers realizes because, because quite frankly, he hasn't been around here. Okay, Rob, here's my main question with all of this. What does Aaron Rodgers want out of the Packers, if anything? Because when he's on with Kenny Mayne, he talks about an organizational philosophy that he doesn't think is right. But what's the main problem here with him? And is is that issue fixable? What he wants is to not be here anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he wants. And, uh, you know, it all stems from, you know, not just the picking of Jordan Love, because as he told Kenny Mayne, he's got no problem with Jordan. And, and really uh, sort of understands why they did it. He just wants to be, it, it sounded like he just wants to be included and he wants to be treated better than he's treated as far as like what he's done for this franchise. And, and look, I don't know how recently you guys have been to green Bay, but when you drive in off the highway, there's this about a mile long area called title town. And it's, it's a, it's, it's a bunch of condos, restaurants, hotels, um, there's a sports medicine clinic, and I'll guarantee you that Rogers drives by, gets off the highway on his way to the stadium, drives by and sees this whole massive development that the Packers have created and says to himself, if it wasn't for me, none of this would be here. Just like Brett Favre in the late 90s, early 2000s, drove into Lambeau Field and saw the renovated, incredibly renovated stadium from the, you know, the aluminum-sided barn that it used to be to this brick gorgeous facade and says, if it wasn't for me, they wouldn't have this stadium. And and I think those guys probably feel like they deserve a little bit more than just, um, you know, the average player. So, uh, you know, they feel like they're owed that right or wrong, whether you agree with it or don't, that's, that's how these guys feel. 
And I think that's where he has become a little bit, um, you know, disenchanted with, with the way he's been treated here. And, and I don't know if it's fixable, Michelle. I really don't. Um, you know, there was a report that said he wanted the GM fired. Well, they're, they're not firing the general manager. That That is for sure. So I don't know if it's fixable. I, I've, thought it was interesting and I think this is Rob tell me if I'm wrong here this is one way where Rodgers may have misplayed his hand just by delaying until draft day because yeah. it seems to me the place for him would have been with the Rams right and they they called right away if he would have made it known right after that championship game yep. that I want out and I want to go to LA the Rams had a lot mm. to give and maybe that would have right. been the best play for him well, and and to your point, if you're the Packers and um, you're going to make a trade for him, um, now is not the time or any time really before the season starts because let's say you trade him to somebody uh, and you would presume that he's going to play at a pretty high level, those draft picks you're getting in return aren't going to be very good, right? Like, I mean, they had, you know, let's go to the 49ers and the, and the Broncos who were uh, calling about Rodgers right before the draft. Well, where were they picking? What the 49ers were picking, what, third? Mm-hmm. Broncos were, were picking eighth. Um, you were getting high draft picks. Now if you send uh, if you send Rodgers to the Broncos, you know, you, he's probably going to win 12 games. All of a sudden that pick's 25th, 26th, 27th. It's not so good. So um, I do wonder this, Randy, if, um, you know, Rodgers all along in the offseason thought there was a decent chance he was going to get traded and when it didn't go down right before the draft, when Denver and San Francisco called, if that's why the story ultimately got out and he was so frustrated that he didn't get traded, that he gave the green light to whoever to, to put the story out there. Robbie, you, you cover him, you're around him, you're aware of his ego. And this is a, a different situation than, than an athletic ego. But yeah. it's, he, it's a stubbornness. I, yeah. So can he come back? That's my question. Will, his, will that stubbornness allow yeah. him to come back to the Packers? Yeah, I asked somebody um, who's known him his whole life that question, and he just said, hey, this is the most stubborn person that I've ever been around. So, um, you know, I don't know. I I don't know how you just walk back in and say, hey, you know what? I I was just kidding. Let's go play. You know, I I just don't know how you put that genie back in the bottle after this has come out. And, you know, and and he could, I guess he could always say, hey, look, I never. I never said any of this. This was all coming from sources, which is true. I mean, he never has really said that, um, you know, yeah, I, I want out or, or I, I hate it here or whatever. But he also hasn't said that he hasn't said. You know, he hasn't denied that either, which I think is just as significant. So, Rob, if he – so he missed – OTAs, but mandatory yep. mining camp is coming up. And Tomorrow, we talk, yeah. Yeah, we talked about the stubbornness. So if he misses mini camp – is, is this just a stare down then? Who blinks first between the Packers and Rodgers? And if both sides stay firm in their beliefs and neither one of them wants to concede, what happens? What's the outcome? Yeah, I think that's. I think the way you categorized it, Michelle, is exactly right. I think it does become a stare down. Um, I don't expect him to be here tomorrow. Uh, I saw um, our Adam Schefter reported this morning that um, it's possible the Packers could waive those fines and just try to you know ease the – ease the, uh, uh, the tension between the two by doing that and trying to continue to work on something. I suppose that's a possibility, but I do think it's a game of chicken and come, um, you know, July 27th or, or, or thereabouts when training camps about to open, if he doesn't report those fines are mandatory. The CBA says that the fines are, are, are not only suggested, they are mandatory and cannot be rescinded by the team. So now you're looking at uh, $50,000 a day, 
uh, for every training camp day that you miss and, and, you know, how far he's willing to go in that. And if he sits out, if he just says, you know what, I'm never playing again, then the Packers can say, all right, well, you owe us about $30 million in um, signing bonus money that you never fulfilled as part of your contract. So, um, or the question is, do the Packers eventually say, well, the draft picks are more valuable to us than $30 million uh, then we will trade you. And, and, and quite honestly, I don't know which one is more likely. Um, I, I don't believe that he's going to play here again, um, barring some incredible, um, you know, unforeseen change in circumstances. I don't think he'll play here uh, again, but I don't know what the end game is. We got surprised here in St. Louis when we had an NFL team, when Kurt Warner took over for Trent Green and had a great supporting cast. It looks to me like with Devontae and with Aaron Jones and it, once they get Bakhtiari back, there are a lot of nice elements there. Can the Packers be competitive without him? I don't think so, Randy. It's uh, quarterback position is just too important. And, and, you know, Jordan Love might end up being a, a really good and even possibly great player. Uh, but not in 2021. That was never really the plan to get him going um, for this year. I think 2022 was the earliest that they had thought about, you know, probably making that quarterback transition. And because they, they brought him along so slowly last year as the third string quarterback. I mean, think about that. He was, he was a first round pick and was inactive every Sunday or Thursday or whatever days they played. He never suited up. Um, and was running scout team, wasn't even the backup last year. And now all of a sudden he's, he's QB one. Um, and he's, and he's, you know, he's looked okay in, in many camps um, as far as his command of the huddle and, you know, working through his progressions, but he's very tentative as far as throwing the ball down the field. Um, there was one practice the other uh, last week where he checked it down six straight times to running backs. And I mean, that's just, you know, shows you a little bit of an unwillingness to, you know, to maybe feel confident in where you're going with the ball and you're just dumping it off. So I don't think he's ready. Um, and they signed Blake Bortles. And from what one practice I've seen of Blake Bortles, I, I don't know how the heck he ever led Jacksonville to the <laughs> AFC championship game. But, uh, that's another story. I was thinking about asking that, and I said I don't want to torture Rob here by asking him about Blake Bortles. <laughs> Okay, Rob, one more for me. I, I feel like most people think Denver is the likely landing spot yeah. if Aaron Rodgers does indeed leave Green Bay. Is there another team that, that people should be keeping an eye on that might sneak out from the weeds here? Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe the Raiders, maybe Miami. Um, but first of all, it's not going to be – I would highly doubt it's an it's a NFC team. Um, I'll tell you a quick story real quick. When they finally decided they were going to trade Brett Favre in the summer of 2008 – um, they had pretty much equal deals as far as compensation with Tampa and the Jets. And they went to Favre and said, hey, where do you want to go, Tampa or the Jets? He said Tampa, and they sent him to the Jets. <laughs> so, I mean, they're not going to probably send him to uh, an NFC team, and and that certainly limits the pool, obviously. And then, and then I mean, look at, look at the AFC, right? I mean, I'm just going to take, like, the Chargers, for example, like if the Chargers had Aaron Rodgers, would they instantly become a Super Bowl contender? Uh, probably, but they've got Justin Herbert. Like they're not going to give up on that. Same thing with like you know Cincinnati. I mean, Joe Burrow is probably not ready to lead the Bengals to the Super Bowl yet, but they're not going to just cast him aside and and, and forget about his ten year, twelve year career for one or two years with Rodgers. So there's just a a lot of teams that are just eliminated based on that idea. So I, I do think it's probably only a you know, a handful or less uh, teams that are really uh, possible destinations for them. 
Rob, great information. Great to talk to you. Thanks so much for taking the time this morning. And uh, we'll be reading your work at ESPN.com as this mandatory minicamp unfolds in Green Bay. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll be seeing you. Take care. Rob Demosky covers the Packers for ESPN.com and does a great job. As a show that has adopted the Miami Dolphins as our team, I wish people could have seen our reaction when Rob mentioned the Dolphins as a landing spot for Rodgers. So, and then Tua would have to go and not learn another offense. But he could still be our guy. Let's not go there. We're not going to go there. Okay. He said it, not me. (laughs) I know, but if... This year he'll be better. That's right. He will. (laughs) That's Michelle. I'm Randy coming up. You're killing me, Smalls. I'm 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Dunctionary Day is coming up June 16th at the ballpark on the Bud Deck at the Budweiser Brew House in Ballpark Village. Cards and Marlins at 12:15, and you can join us on the Bud Deck to enjoy the game with views looking right into Bush Stadium. A few, just a few, reserved tables of four remain available for purchase. You can grab one of those remaining four tops, and each of your four tickets will include a hot dog, a beer, and a Dunctionary T-shirt. Plus, a portion of every table purchased is being donated to the Chris Duncan Memorial Scholarship Fund. We'll be broadcasting live that afternoon. From the Bud Deck with BK and Ferrario from 11 to 2. The Fast Lane from 2 to 6. Get all the Dunctionary Day details at 101ESPN.com. That'll be a fun day. You and I will be there. Looking forward to it. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. And be sure to get your Dunctionary shirt. Yeah, be good. Now it's time for... You're killing me, Smalls. One more mention, Randy, before we close out the show today. Yadier Molina and St. Louis, really, is in a battle right now with Giannis and Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. The morning show on ESPN, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, they have this market madness thing going on where it's this big bracket of stars across the country and they're going to determine who the biggest star is and Yadier Molina is a number two seed in his in his side of the bracket and he's going against Giannis which is the number one seed and we mentioned it earlier in the show Yadi has creeped up Randy he's now at 46 percent of the vote to Giannis's 53 percent there's 19 hours left St. Louis rides for their own and who is who represents St. Louis more than Yadier Molina Chris Bryant calls us mm-hmm. boring who's the first person to jump on Instagram and defend St. Louis. So everybody needs to get out there, vote for Yachty, because he would do the same thing for us. He would be the first person to vote for St. Louis. Yachty, 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 Yachty. Okay, let's do it. I have retweeted it at M. Smallman, so as Randy at Randy yep. Character. So if you're on Twitter, I'll post it on my Instagram too, which is also M. Smallman and my little uh, link and bio thing there. But if you're on social media at all, take the 30 seconds to vote for Yachty or Molina because it will be a massive boost for St. Louis. And we need it. We haven't had any wins this weekend, so we no, need to take this one. We need the win. We need it big time. You're killing me, Smalls. Well, the U.S. had a big win over the weekend, Randy, last night in the Nations League final. The U.S. men's national team defeated Mexico. They won 3-2 to two after extra time. Christian Pulisic came up big, and it was a massive, massive win for the U.S. as far as uh, soccer is concerned. They have that rivalry with Mexico. Yeah. And a lot of people were looking at this team saying they have a lot of potential, but can they get it done? They proved last night in dramatic fashion that they could. Have not had the, <laughs> excuse me, the greatest success against Mexico. So that's a, a big thing. And this is a new look team now that they have for this year and heading towards the next World Cup. And hopefully we figure things out athletically and from a coaching and uh, an approach standpoint because there really is no excuse at this stage for the USA to be lagging behind the rest of the world in football. Well, they're champions now. Yes, let's yes, do it. We'll take it. You're killing me, Smalls.
Big weekend for Tony La Russa, Randy. He moved into second place on Major League Baseball's all-time manager's wins list with his 200-764th career victory. He passed John McGraw, and he now trails only um, Connie Mack, but he trails him by 967 wins. But Tony La Russa moving into sole possession of second place on that list. And nobody will ever pass Tony. Tony will go to his grave. We'll go to our graves with Tony La Russa in second place and... Everybody listening, even if you're only three, will go to their graves with Tony La Russa having the second most managerial wins in the history of the sport. It's unbelievable the success he's had over the length of time that he's had. Unbelievable. I was reading about it, and I thought this was interesting. When he was talking about this achievement, he said it's beyond sacred of of Connie Mack, unattainable. I think that th- I didn't think this was attainable getting into second place. I didn't think it was ever going to happen. The year I retired in 2011, my family was very upset because they wanted this to happen. And I thought that was interesting mm. that his family was more upset about him retiring because they wanted him to be in sole possession of second place on that list. I think if he would have only missed one year rather than nine, how much further along he would be. And he would have done a lot of winning in the interim with whatever team he had to. Do you think he would have been with the Cardinals the entire duration of that time he was out? No, I was wondering if maybe he would have taken 12 off and then gone to another franchise. Interesting. Where do you think he would have gone? Right after you win the World Series, take a year off, relax, do whatever you want to do. But he obviously would have been in high demand. I wonder what, I can't remember at that time where would have been an interesting landing spot for him. Because at that point, you don't leave the Cardinals just to take up some job. It no. has to be the right job. And it's got to be a, a place where they're willing to spend and let him be in control, which he has. I wonder if the White Sox, because he and Reinsdorf are tight, where were the White Sox uh, around 2012 with their managerial situation? Uh, so the, after 11, actually, they fired Robin Ventura, or fired Ozzy Guillen and hired Robin Ventura mm. for 12, but then Ventura fired after 14, so maybe they or I'm sorry, no, that, he went all the way to 16. But they could have found a uh, Jerry Reinsdorf could have found a place for Tony. Then he found a place for him after the after the manager took him to the playoffs last year. That's right. You're killing me, Smalls. So we had talked about this a lot. He had been called by Shannon Sharp on national TV. Julio Jones made it very clear that he wanted to leave Atlanta, but he's found a new team. The Tex, or excuse me, the Titans acquired him via trade with the Falcons, and um, the Falcons said goodbye to him. But they got some trade capital in return. They got that 2022 second round pick and a 2023 fourth round pick, and the Titans get Julio Jones along with the Falcons' 2023 sixth round pick. Arguably the most dominant receiver in the history of the game. When you go by yards per game, 95.5 yards per game, which is about 10 yards more per game than Calvin Johnson, who's in second place. The problem is, is that Julio played 13 games last year. Uh, In 2013, he only played five. He's missed games in each of the last four seasons. And I just wonder at the age of 32, if he's going to be healthy enough to be able to withstand a full season now in the NFL? Good good question. Valid question. But if you're the Titans and you're looking to take that next step as a team, how is this not a move that you make? No, it's for just a second and a fourth round pick. Yeah, you have to roll the dice. Definitely. And if he can play 15 or 16 for you and be the dominant force that he's been for most of his career, 
then you can find yourself in the Super Bowl. Well, and that's exactly what he said when he was on with Shannon Sharp, whether he knew it or not. He said, I just want to win. He wants to go to a place where he can win, and I think Tennessee gives him that opportunity. And all the players there wanted him. Tannehill has already spoken up. You had the video from uh, Brown. You had Derrick Henry with his social media entreaties to try to get Julio there, and it all worked out for him. So that's pretty cool. There's that many franchises where everything's going well right now. Tennessee is one. Yes, it is. Quick update before we go. Yachty creeping up again, 47% to Giannis is 52. So keep voting for Yachty. Just go to our Twitter pages, Michelle at M. Smallman, mine at Randy Carricker, and we've retweeted. All you need to do is click that link and then vote at the Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin site and vote for Yachty, One Named Wonders. And let's see if we can beat Giannis. We're a bigger and better market than Milwaukee. Yeah, they may be in first place in the division, but we can rally. We can mobilize and help Yachty win a Twitter poll. Yeah, we need Uncle Charlie to get on the old Twitter and retweet this. Start a a retweet. Yeah, Yeah. that's all he needs to do. That's right. So we'll work on that. All right. Good. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up next, we are going to cross things over with the voice of the Cardinals on Bally Sports and the host of the Danny Mac Show here on 101 ESPN, Dan McLaughlin, next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. sure the Cardinals are taking a day off, but not Danny Mac. Nope, he's here. He's here every day, and he's got the Danny Mac Show with BK coming up here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Daniel. How are you? I'm doing great. This would be a good off day for the club. They need it. They were limping into this off day, and uh, that was a, a gut punch yesterday with the way that that game went. You're down 7 nothing, then it's 7-7. Seven, seven. You have all the momentum, and then uh, it's the Jesse Winker show. He had an unbelievable weekend. Really, you you look at the top of that lineup with India, Winker, Castellanos, and those guys just dominated this weekend series. And Winker and and Castellanos, to me, are all-stars this year. They've had great seasons, so... Really tough, uh, tough loss yesterday for the club, no doubt. I saw a lot of people questioning whether you pitched to Winker in that moment, but then you have Castellanos right behind him, and you have Alex Reyes going, who you trust in that moment. But I think I would have... It's pick your poison, really. Well, I don't think you worry about pitching to him. I think you worry about pitch selection. So if I'm going to get beat, if I'm Alex Reyes, and it's it's so easy, hindsight 2020, guys throwing 98, you have mode two, I think it was, or one and two, fastball up, and he had been crushing breaking balls, and it was just one of the times that Alex hung a, a breaking ball. I mean, I don't care who's up at the plate. I trust Alex Reyes. I, I trust that he's going to get him out, and I'm not going to worry about uh, putting Winker on. I, I I think that Alex Reyes can get Winker. So that to me isn't the problem. It was maybe pitch selection at that time. And then in the ninth inning, the Cardinals had their shot. You know, you get second and third and nobody out and you you can't bring them in. And uh, that's the difference in your game. With Goldschmidt and Arenado heating back up, and Goldschmidt has traditionally been especially a June and July hitter, do you think the Cardinals can play? They've got 31 games before the All-Star break. Can they go 15 and 16 or 16 and 15? Yeah, I think it's a soft spot in the schedule, too, if memory yeah, serves correct. Yeah, I think it, you know, just record-wise, I think he can. But they they got to get healthier. You know, for instance, when you're, and, and this is just, there is no excuses in Major League Baseball. Everybody is dealing with injuries right now. So, and no one's going to feel sorry for you, which is the cliche. Um, but at key spots yesterday, for instance, you had 
you know, a backup shortstop coming up with the game on the line. You had a career minor leaguer with the game on the line and, and Rondon, you know, you're missing some guys that would certainly help your team. Um, and pitching wise, when these guys are going out like they've had going out, it's going to be tough. It's, it's, you know, so can you keep your head above water? I guess you could and play 500 with the soft spot in the schedule. You do have to go to San Francisco. They're legitimate, but it's not easy. And, and they're just dealing with these injuries and, the, the, one of the issues that they have, too, it's not only injuries with what's going on with the major league club. It's yeah. on the 40-man, and it's your crunch in the injuries in the minor leagues. So they're in, they're in a tough spot right now. I think it's only two position players on the 40-man are not on the IL in Memphis. Too. Yes. So there you go. Like Newt Barr, Hurst. I mean, you're talking about guys that would maybe give you some jolt as an outfielder. Because right now, Lane Thomas is hitting 100. Right. And that ain't going to cut it. It's just not. No, your bench right now doesn't give you anything, unfortunately. Carpenter gives you something, maybe. Yeah. You know, Carpenter He's been hot lately. Comes off the bench, gives you a key double last night or yesterday. But does, does you feel you know any fear with Lane Thomas no. coming up right now? No. 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 And, and the fact of the matter is, and we can say excuses, 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 but you win up the middle, and you don't have Yachty, you don't have DeYoung, you don't have Bader, and you're missing 60% of your starting rotation. That, that's how you win, is up the middle, and the right. Cardinals are missing a lot of up the middle. It is, and, uh, and and guys are being used in spots that are being, you know, I don't want to say overexpose them, but it just you, you wouldn't see them play as much as they are right now, and it's it's hurt the club. That's all there is to it. Yeah. So you got to find a way to get through it. Are you excited about seeing? I, I know Emily is excited about seeing Shane Bieber tomorrow. I am. She's a Bieber fan. She I, is. Not Justin, but Shane. <laughs> Are you really a Shane Bieber fan? I held myself back from wearing my Shane Bieber jersey today. Why are you such a tomorrow. Shane Bieber fan? I just like him. I think yeah. he's awesome. Yeah, he's pretty good. It's going to be, they, they can pitch. Cleveland I got a signed can pitch. Ball. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, they've had their issues, but they can pitch. Yeah. And you're going to see one of the best. Uh, doesn't get any easier tomorrow night. Well, hopefully it's a 2-1 game and we wind up winning. There you go. See, I, I'm even still saying we. You're you're in. You proud of me? No, no panic bus for The you. Cardinals. The Cardinals. Well, when they're winning. It's we. When they lose, it's the Cardinals, <laughs> That's right? That's right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Don't worry. I will not wear the Bieber shirt tomorrow either. You're fine wearing the Bieber shirt. I'm cool with that. When Justin Bieber was com- becoming popular, Shane Bieber was like, Really? Probably. Really? Yeah. He he on one of the players' weekends, the back of his thing said, "Not Justin." <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it's it's the injuries and just got to find a way. It's a long season, so figure it out. Yeah, and, and they can do it. I was telling Michelle, and just for reference point, the Cardinals lost starting with their 10th from last game, lost seven, seven of eight in 2006 down the stretch before winning their last two regulation or regular season games. So the Dodgers lost seven of eight earlier this season. It happens, but you can't have it continue to happen. And as I texted you yesterday, it's my strong belief that everything falls in place behind your number one starter. Biggest loss is Flaherty. And one thing that Jack Flaherty does provide you is the lack of worrying about losing 10 in a row. I would agree. And, you know, he gives you, you feel like when he's out on the mound, he's going to give you a shot, Mm -hmm. a really good shot, no matter who is on the other side. Um, So it's a massive loss to have him out. You know, it'd be interesting to be a fly on the wall if you're John Mozeliak and Michael Gersh and just their, their approach to this, because do you wait for guys to get healthy do you realistically think they're going to get healthy? What can you do at the trade deadline? What does the rest of the league going to do? 
it, it's tough to figure out because of all the injuries, and a lot of people are still looking for what the Cardinals right. are looking for, too. Yeah. So it, it really does complicate it. And when anybody makes a trade, like when Colorado traded Arenado here, they wanted a major league-ready guy or two, and they wound up getting Austin Gomber. The Cardinals don't have major league-ready guys that they can trade, position players or uh, pitchers. Well, I mean, you could say that, you know, there's prospects down there that they they have lower level lower level prospects that are highly highly thought definitely. of, definitely. You know that they could to to deal, but I, I, you know, do you want to deal Nolan Gorman? I don't. No. Matthew Libertor, no. Zach Thompson, even though he struggled, no. You know, I, I so you got to bite the bullet and, with what you got up here. In the last four years, you've traded a dozen prospects to get right. Ozuna, Goldschmidt, Arenado, right. So you got to restock at some point, and they've they've been able to do that. So, yeah, I don't see those guys going, but they're even lower level guys that some people look at that are highly thought of. So they're in a great spot. <laughs> I, you know, you got to get healthy, and you also have to be a realist with it when you're rolling out the lineup that they have at this point. You know, expectations shift, right? Yeah. So I want to see if what I'm going to say next elicits an eye roll from Dan. Yes, Michelle. Uh, Emily has a thing for you. Oh, to read. oh, we're going to do those today, huh? Okay, we've got Shinedown tickets. Are we going to give them away now? We can if you'd like. Why don't we come up with a plan for tomorrow and give them away with a game? Can we do that? We can. Then yes, listen we'll, tomorrow we'll if you want to go to Shinedown. So we work for a company called Hubbard Radio. And today, Dan, Hubbard Radio, privately owned company, our owner, Ginny Morris, is in town on the... Uh, character and smallman office i have a welcome Ginny sign <laughs> <laughs> and then right above my workspace i have her picture taped up on the wall <laughs> thank you for that reaction Dan. The, my reaction i don't need to say anything my eye roll just Rand- does it randy Perfect. is so safe He's the safest guy in the building oh my God. no wonder you're the first guy here and the last guy to ever leave maybe Oh, no, I'm the first guy to leave. I'm the last guy, first guy here and the last guy to leave. I meant in years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to outlast everybody. Oh, um, that might be. When you do that, you probably got her a Traeger grill or something, too, or what? Oh, is there a carrot cake in the mm-hmm. office for her? You know that's going to happen. I hope so. Yeah. Brutal. <laughs> but funny, right? No. Come on. <laughs> what do we got coming up on the Danny Mac show? Uh, Sam LaCour, who is the uh, former... Uh, reliever for the Reds. Mm-hmm. He works for their uh, pre and post games. And then Tim Kirkchin of ESPN. Oh, thanks, guys. All right. Looking He's forward to it. All right. Uh, we are looking forward to it. Great job by our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you. Thank you. Michelle, this was fun. It was. See you tomorrow. And uh, for all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, being a part of the show. Don't forget to vote for Yachty. Just go to Twitter, Michelle's or my Twitter page and vote for Yachty because we're in the one name wonder category and he needs to be honest. So vote for that today for all of us. Thanks for tuning in, texting in and being a part of the show till tomorrow morning at seven. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. 
and Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. It's a well-known fact that good sleep leads to a happier life. Okay, maybe that's not a fact fact, but... Don't you just feel amazing after a great night's sleep? Like the first night back in your own bed after traveling. It's time to demand more first night back kind of sleep. Stop tossing and turning and talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs... Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.